Transmission will start in five seconds from now. Five, four, three, two, one, in. very warm welcome to a special edition of the Waffle On podcast. Before you reach for your dials to tune me out, be be reassured that I am not here alone. My name is Peter Coleman and I'm sat here today in the role of interviewer. And unsurprisingly and hilariously, my guests today are none other than Meds and Kel themselves. Hello, Gentlemen. hello. Hilariously. Ooh. Hilariously. It was much rejoicing. <laughs> what, what are you laughing at now? Put your timer on. No, I haven't put my time on yet. Why not? Well, this isn't a podcast, is it? No, because we haven't started talking about the film. Yeah, I don't know. You've got to stop. Sorry! Now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see, this is what I'm giving you. <laughs> you never put somebody else in the role of host, because <laughs> straight away you end up trying to control two people who, <laughs> by the best will in the world, will waffle off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. This is what happened at school, was about that. It was. Uh, <laughs> that explains an awful lot. It does, really. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the reason for my presence today and my role in this whole scenario is that today we are doing a special show for the Waffle On podcast. We are doing Desert Island Flicks. Mm. And just to explain the concept for anybody who isn't familiar with it, because not only do we have listeners throughout the UK, but also around the world. Mm. And the concept of Desert Island Flicks is taken from the loved, beloved uh, Desert Island Discs which is a radio show that's been going for many years in which celebrities are invited to give their opinions as to which discs or records or MP3s or whatever they are today um, they would take to a desert island. So they would only have those selected titles to entertain them. Now, um, each of our participants today has chosen their six top films. And while there are some cracking titles among them, there are a few slightly obscure titles as well. And I look forward to discovering why. But before we get going, um, Meds, Kel, what have you brought with you? What's, the, what's new? What's going on in the world of entertainment? What have you seen lately? Well, I can say, I think what I'm most excited about is The, the Handmaid's Tale. Ooh, okay. Elizabeth it, Moss. Yeah, it is yeah. stunning. Hmm. But it is the most bleak... Are you watching it, Pete? I'm not. I'm it not. is stunning. Who do you know? Elizabeth Moss. It's like I say, it's not about really. It's not a starry show. It's a very famous book, isn't it? And um, it's just I don't know. It's just it's so beautiful in in a brutal way. Is you know, it's like a Netflix thing. Or no, no, it's some oh, channel. It's on Channel Four. It's been on in America. It's on Hulu in America, and it's only a small network. But I mean, it's it's just it's good to see a drama that's about <clears> women. Not wrote by men. 
Do you know well, what I mean? Like good. I said, I, no, I'm not going to be. Oh, it's written, right. written by women and. and oh yeah, yeah. It, it's the, the men are irrelevant in it. Even though the society women have become irrelevant, it's sort of like an ISIS state where women are where their fertility is controlled by the state. Oh, is, it, is this this one where it was no? I told you about where it's like it's sort of in a dystopian future, which it all oh, is at the no. moment, isn't it? Everywhere is dystopian at the moment, including Britain. Yeah. Um, that uh, basically you, there's something's happened and women have become infertile but only a few women are left so these women are taken into the state oh, which right. is a bit like what the Nazis tried to do with like the Joy Division and all that they took the women in and controlled them it's about freedom hmm. in that confined environment but it's amazing oh, and okay. I mean I've, it's beautiful not Sunday night viewing though it is on a Sunday night <laughs> it's not well yeah just oh, squeeze that in after oh. bullseye and <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, I, want, I want my midsummer murders and laughter some wine you know yeah, <laughs> not yeah. a in future of a little bit of AP going on the remote controller in private eye once said you need a certain tog factor to your Sunday night viewing <laughs> yeah, 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 that's very good. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> you want, uh, Antiques Roadshow, maybe a bit of the Musketeers. That'll, that'll just do it. That's yeah, just enough excitement perfect. just for you to forget that you haven't done your homework for Monday morning. <laughs> so, without any further ado, let's move on. I'm going to ask um, each of my interviewees to help me out, and one will keep time. Yes. This is turning into just a minute. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Hesitation! Um, because, as we all know, everybody loves a three-hour podcast. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so we have 12 films to get through. We're going to try and be as brief as we can, mm. but bear in mind what the show's called. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. If, you, if, you're, if you're on a railway journey, then yeah, it's a better breakdown yeah. uh, in order for this to finish. I, I, wouldn't, time for I wouldn't listen to this one on the toilet. No, no, no you'll, not, your no. legs will go numb. <laughs> yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll just fall off. And, and you'll people. cause a prolapsed anus. <laughs> <laughs> Warning. <laughs> That's a spin-off podcast. podcast. They, they cause anal problems. That sounds like a spin-off podcast. Yeah, the Lapstanus <laughs> podcast. Good. Right. So we will get on with it, and we will go ahead with the boys in order of attractiveness. So, Kel. Oh, thank you very much. Um, Just because he looks like Sam Smith. Don't fucking start that. <laughs> what you meant to be doing, not interrupting when he's talking right. to me. Yes. The, g- given, I won't even ask what meds has come out. But... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, Kel, your film, which uh, which you've chosen, is Zombie Flesh Eaters, uh, directed by Lucia Fulci. Um, 1979 film. It's got multiple titles, as I discovered oh. when, I, when I went to look at this. Um... When and where did you first see Zombie wow. Flashington? Wow, it's a story, a story of illegality, really. Basically, uh, my I, my parents are very young, and they first got a video in about 1981. And so, what you did then is you went down to the local video shop, and he had videos under the counter. The, these are video nasties. Video which nasties. Which I think we all remember the right. news uh, it, warnings. Like right now you try to speak to someone young about that and they can't get the red what There was a film banned because now you just get on the internet. But then it it was highly legal. Now, my mum and dad used to have the friends round. I remember we were watching normal films and then my mum and dad said, you've got to go to bed now because the parents are going to have an adult film. And I was thinking... Waka, 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 waka. <laughs> so I thought, I'll go to bed. Now, remember, I'm an insomniac. So I was lying there till about two o'clock and I heard them go to bed. This was a sign for me to go downstairs. So I snuck downstairs and thought, I'm going to watch that video. I put it in and this come up, zombie fleshes. And I thought, what is that? Wow. So how old were you? 
eight, nine. <gasps> wow. Terrible relay. But um, I remember sat in there and I was transfixed. I've got to say, I know people are going about how violent it is, but it didn't really mean much to an eight-year-old because it just looked a bit mm. silly. But I remember I watched it and then I snuck back up to bed and I couldn't sleep. For three days afterwards, I was sleepless. And I was at school and I was banging up against the table. And the teacher said, what are you doing? He said, I'm re- recreating zombie flesh eaters. Because it does have a lot of really, um, really yeah. iconic uh, zombie moments. This gore, the blood, the eyeball stabbing. Right. So, um, what version did you see? Did you see pretty? I haven't seen have you it. So it's really terrible. Anyway, <laughs> but, it... but this is on. But this has made it to your list, and so this must have been a real part of your, well, your makeup growing uh, up. You know, it, it basically it changed because basically, like saying, I was recreating the thing in the school. The teachers had me in. I was going around stabbing people. <laughs> I got my parents in, and that's when my parents well, found out that I got up and watched this film. Stabbing and I got them, in pretending, to pretending to stab them because it's like stabby stabby in it. So I went home. My mum gave me a complete mulligan, right? <laughs> and then banned me from, and then I used to lock away. But that, I, I'm, it made me fall in love with horror films that I'm still in love with. You know, mm. to this day, I love gory horror films. They've never scared me, but I think I was completely desensitized. But it changed everything because I, I'm still a zombie obsessive. I, I know. Oh, yeah. I, I'm still am. And this film, I, I watch it every year still, and it still brings back memories of me doing something illicit. And, and there's nothing... Memory can be quite good with illicit things, can't it? The stay mm. with you. Because yeah. you're like pushing your boundary. And I think that age, you're pushing your boundaries. I know most kids might watch a Hammer film, but, you know, it didn't make a difference to me what kind of horror film. It didn't scare me at the time, but it played on mine. And it changed mm. my view on everything <laughs> and so I mean clearly it means a lot to you you know you were a very young impressionable age it kind yeah. of changed the course of your childhood in a sense oh, yes. especially if you kind of affected your schooling but yeah. um, if you were to if you were to to convince somebody that they needed to watch this film what what would you say to them what is their best bit or is there the, no I, I, right in, in, in the scope of modern zombie horror films this and Dawn of the Dead by George Romero, who's just R.I.P. George. Um, uh, these are the two films that you need to see. If it, like I said, if I was, I've got a young <clears throat> mate at work who only got into zombie films recently, and I give him them two films. These are the two films you need to see because one's from Voodoo and one is from Science, and that is the true things of zombieism. They cross all the while, but they're the two. And this has got everything you want. It's like. Stupid Americans going to foreign climes, getting into trouble and being eaten, <laughs> right? Because of their fault. Yeah, yeah. and it's it, it's clearly one of the originals because, as you said, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead was released the year before this film, and yeah. so you've got two of the most iconic uh, zombie films um, before they even got a chance to be silly as a lot of people view zombie yeah. films to be. And, and interestingly, uh, that this was sort of. Released in Italy, in uh, Zombie Flesh is in, in Italy was called Zombie. Z- Dawn of the Dead was released in Italy as Zombie Two, because it was because the end of Zombie Zombie Flesh is they're, they're going to New York, so they saw it as a continue, even though it had nothing to do mm. with each other, because it, it sort of cross pollinated with each yeah. other. And even though the story's completely mm. one's science, one's nature, mm. but I don't know. It's like it's like it is a bit cheesy. It's a zombie. Na- it's a video nasty. The acting's terrible. It's a bit dubbed. The music's all over the place. But my God, does it make me feel good when I watch it? 
takes me back to that moment yeah. of sneaking down the stairs thinking my parents are going to kill me <laughs> so I carry on doing it <laughs> Kelp, thank you very much. That was that's zombie flesh eaters, and that's got us off to a brilliant start. So we'll uh, carry on now. Um, now, some of these films will cross over into each other, and you've picked some very, very interesting titles. And in some cases, your uh, your choices overlap with one another. Not in this case. <laughs> <laughs> Mentz's first film is North by Northwest, which. In all of my uh, all my research about this film, um, doesn't contain a single zombie. No, 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 no. no there's no. But it is a 1959 American thriller directed by none other than Alfred Hitchcock, starring Cary Grant, Eva Marie Sant, and James Mason. James Mason. Yes. <laughs> so, Meds, where did you first see North by Northwest? Yeah, I mean, it, this is one of those films I saw it on TV all the time, possibly on <laughs> every bank holiday weekend. At home. It's interesting, both it. of your first experiences, of you know, the first films that you've picked have been ones you've watched at home rather than at the cinema. Yes, yeah. no, I mean, it's um, uh, it was always on, seemed to be on in a Sunday afternoon and still continues to be on Sunday afternoons on some channel somewhere. Uh, unfortunately, I always seem to, I do own it, but it's like watching it on TV is always something better. I, I don't know why, I mean, I've got lots of films at home, but if you know it's on TV, I still like to you know tune in and watch it's a bit like Bond films sometimes if they come on the TV but then yeah. then more and more you're finding that they're being cut, cut for context I think that's how much you, yeah you, especially with the home media you know how much things are cut and everything but um, yeah now, no, it was definitely a, a family film for me now in a Bond link with that mm. um, Cary Grant's suit in this yes. film mm. was voted the best suit in film history amazing yes. <laughs> um, and you're a you're a dapper man when you get the chance uh, yeah, you like a good suit. I do you? like a good suit. Yeah. Is, is is that what guides your opinion of this film a little bit? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I've I've become a huge Cary Grant fan, um, and I, I don't know anybody. Well, even Cary Grant famously turned around and said, "Even I would like to be Cary Grant." Um, <laughs> it's a great line. Isn't it? It's such a great line, and uh, he he came across to me as the perfect suave uh, Englishman, and how. This film is incredibly influential of Bond as well. Now, I'm a huge James Bond fan, and you'll notice on my list is not a James Bond film on there. Probably the reason why I chose this, because not only was North by Northwest mentioned in Chapter 9 on Thunderball in the book, um, it, uh, from Russia we love, there's a nod to this film with the helicopter and the chase scene. Oh, right. um, and Cary Grant as well was asked to be Bond, and he turned it down because he wouldn't do a three-picture deal. Because From that. Russia With Love was five years after this. So, yeah, it was, yeah. And Doctor yeah. Nova was 62. Um, so three years after it. And, it is, and and Cary Grant turned it down. But I adore Cary Grant. He was in his 50s when he did this film, yet you wouldn't think it. Um, and, and so it, what are the what what's the iconic things that you'll pick I think, out from I think this it's, film? It's just a perfect thriller. It's, it's one of, in my opinion, it's my favourite Hitchcock film. Because... I love the action of it, and Hitchcock does suspense and action so well, but he does it with comedy. And in this film, does have the comedy elements. Fleming turned around and said the one thing he didn't like about North by Northwest was the comedy elements in it. But Cary Grant had that, that was part of his clique, where he had a little bit of comedy in it. The same with Charade and the same with um, To Catch a Thief, you know. And he played this very similar character of Roger Thornhill in Notorious. You put both of those films together, and that they are very, very similar. But the actors in this film, I think really are the things that stand out for me. You know, James Mason, Cary Grant, two actors who have the most wonderful voices oh, yeah. in, in cinematic history. But also, let's not forget 
recently passed away, Martin Landau. And this was only his second film, not his second screen appearance. He'd been in TV shows, but this was his second film. And he's so sinister in this film. There's chase scenes in it. There's humour. There's wonderful lines. It's classic Hitchcock, but it's fun as well. A lot of Hitchcock's films are suspense, but they're not fun because they leave you on an edge of worry which is which is what he was well known for so is this a good kind of gateway drug to get get somebody into hitchcock if they haven't seen um any hitchcock before i'm not too it? sure that's because interesting I, that yeah. is we, we did a hitchcock one and the thing with these ones are complicated aren't they oh i love hitchcock mm. I, I think it's the most oh, it's the least sinister I don't. I, I, yeah, I think I, it's I, a late, and it's. I think a lot of his th- films after this is he got into sexual threats. That was very much part yeah, of it. This, this, this didn't have that. This is it? purely sort of like you know misdirection. I'd say it was a god. Say it was a good one. I think yeah, I think so. It's definitely. I just think it's definitely one to introduce anyone to Cary Grant. Excellent. Mm. Um, it's it's a fine film. It's a it's been a, several of the films which have been picked this evening have been um, categorised by the National Film Registry at the Library of Congress in the US right. as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. This mm. is one of them. I think Hitchcock insisted on this film being put in, <laughs> in, in, in the <laughs> American really archive. You've got to love Hitchcock. I, th- I think he insisted it be put into preserve because it, he found it to be such an important film, and he adored Cary Grant. Well, I think that covers up things very nicely. I think yeah, it's a clearly, clearly a very classic film. Clearly, mm. a, clearly a great way into. Yeah. Um, and you're right; he does wear that suit so well. Yes, so well. Yes, so you know, you're you're a fan of tailoring in films. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the reason why Kingsman, I'm looking forward to Kingsman too because they all look brilliant in that film. I mean, that's that's gonna be amazing. All beautifully done, and especially in the in the DVD um, and the Blu-ray remasterings, you can see all of the oh, yeah, the yeah. grain of the, yeah, <laughs> the grain yeah, yeah, yeah. of the suit and the quality of the tailoring. That's good. Now, um, double D clutch. For a grunchy gear change, because once again we're going from <laughs> so poetry. <laughs> that's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> There's no smooth segue no. <laughs> to take me from North by Northwest, which is let me remind you, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, to Breakdance, also known as Breakdance the movie, Breaking, or Break Street eighty four. Mm. Now, this is going to make me seem really white while I discuss this. Kel, <laughs> yes. um, um, Breakdance, nineteen eighty-four, directed by Joel Silberg. Um, uninspiringly, I've not seen this, um, mm. and reading about it, there's not a lot written about it. Actually, nope. it's one of these very obscure titles. Tell me about it. Ah, wow. Uh, uh, now, it's sort of a, it's a long story, but I'll put it. I'll condense it to very short. Though, right? It, I remember oh, I got home from school and uh, there was a demonstration on breakdancing. Mm. And I'd never seen the like in my life. What are these people doing? Like, something Did you pricked... see on Blue Peter? Yeah. yeah. Mm. It pricked my interest and I thought, what's that? And then my mum come in and used to take me to the pictures a lot because I was always obsessed with cinema. Always have been, always mm-hmm. will be. She said, oh, there's a film with them in. Do you want it? You and your brother, do you want to go and see it on Friday? I said, yeah. Took me oh, to the really? cinema and I remember we sat in there. I have never been so excited in a cinema. It's not even about the film itself, really. Mm. It's the what it stirred in me. And me and my brother couldn't hold ourselves back. <laughs> Within 20 minutes, we were running to the front of the cinema, rolling around the floor, couldn't do any of the dancing, <laughs> and people were staring at us. And from that day, 
I loved American hip hop. And was, that has stayed with me all my life, and I still listen to loads of hip hop. Was and Black Dance have any electro on it, or was it? That was it's all electro, yeah, say, yeah, and yeah. it sort of it changed how I thought music was. Mm-hmm. And I'd only ever saw like Top of the Pops, and it was like generally white people, and and all of a sudden I thought these are people, and just like just people not me. It found out they're all bloody dance school, but I don't know that. I just thought this is normal people expressed in the south mm-hmm. to their music they've made, and I thought they're brilliant, and it stayed with me. And I don't watch it loads, but I watched mm. it about three years ago because I introduced it to my wife. And she was like, that's terrible, that film, but there's something about it yeah. that's important. I think it's the music because I heard the soundtrack before I saw that film because I was doing, like yeah. you, I had a breakdance crew mm. in the, like, the early 80s, but when, when that music started coming out, and I think that film jumped onto the bandwagon of the electro music. I, I think it was such a big time. And, and like I said, where I come from, I come from a really rough area. So... I didn't go out a lot because my mum let me out because it was dangerous. So I had to stop in. So that's where my friend became the TV. Hmm. It was my best friend because it was safe and whatever. Best and babysitter in the world. Yeah, he's a bit anxious. Zombie slasher is. Yeah, well, there we go. <laughs> that, that's probably not so good. I think that's when my mum tried to push me towards films at the moment. But, yeah, it, <laughs> but that film, and I said, it's, it, yeah, again, it stayed with me. I'm constantly quoting it to my wife because even though I haven't saw it, I've probably seen twice in the last 20 years, but it's still with me. Mm. And I could write it down, everything that happens in that film. Now, I could, I'm not going to, because that would be a dull podcast. Well, that's interesting, though. It's, it, it's, it introduces the idea of, of US hip-hop from, you know, from the streets. And, you know, I'm not going to necessarily compare your upbringing in no, no. the streets again. But then it's, it's a, it's a marginalised community. Yeah, and yet you your introduction to it via Blue Peter and Saturday yeah. Cinema that is, is, hard, is, is the most establishment introduction yeah. to um, to hip hop I've ever heard. Yeah, and it was like I, I, I remember getting home and I was talking it nonstop. My mum said I just talked about it for days and that I want that music. Will you get me some of that music? I want them trainers that one's wearing. I want them clothes, and it changed my life. You know, I even did needlework the week after, and for my pincushion, I put Run DMC on it <laughs> because I was so obsessed with it. Okay, Has your mum still got that? I wish I did. My mum threw it away, oh, which I'm so annoyed about. That's a, that's a lovely okay. mother. A Run DMC pincushion. That <laughs> might be the most obscure item of film memorabilia. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I might have one coming up later <laughs> that will rival that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. But that's lovely. Now, Ice T is in this film as well, uh, very early on. And, and John claude Van Damme dancing. He is, yes. No, really? It's like I said, I've got it. You've got to watch it. Because if anyone's not saw it out there, be prepared. <laughs> Don't expect a work of art because it's not. But it's got amazing dancing and amazing music in it. Yeah. And that's all I cared about when I, when I was nine. This is all I cared about. And then did you show up at friends' birthday parties with like a roll of lino so yeah. you could... I did everything. Yeah. I, I remember my dad, because my yeah. dad worked at Cavalbat Manufacturing, he got me a piece of belting that we used as a breakdance mat and we could roll it all quite easy. I, and take I it think up to it the sort swan. of lost the cultural <laughs> impact of that first hip hop breakdancing coming into Britain. It was massive, wasn't it? Yeah. Because yeah, no one yeah. had ever saw the like. No. What, what is this? And there's also kids on the streets being able to do something with them just hanging yeah. around. And it was good. I suppose yeah. it's, it's one of those examples of a. Craze is probably the wrong word, but, yeah. but a genre or a or a phenomenon, a cultural phenomenon, but actually being broken by the news rather than finding its way through. Mm. Now things do via yeah. Reddit and Tumblr and yeah, Instagram yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything else, where it snakes its way into the consciousness. It's it's just it, it's interesting that it's broken to you by the establishment, and then 
Yeah. But yeah, really great memories. Because I remember you saying about this film, that, you know, maybe not my favourite all-time film, but is it a film that's really important to me? Well, that's what these well, things yeah, are all about. Now, these the films are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But also, how important Blue Peter was. Oh. Blue Peter introduced a lot of people to a lot of new things from around the world. And it's a shame that programme is not as <laughs> big as what it should be, because I think it's just, that's kids are missing out on that kind mm. of thing. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a magazine programme, so anything can come up, and yeah. it's just, look at this. And this it really did in the 80s. It, it really did have mm. weird shit on there, yeah, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You're thinking, what is this? Like, like I said, you'd have a hip-hop, and then he'd be, like, making a rocket out of a... Yeah, like a third, fairy, you know, bottle. fairy bottle, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, and when you're a kid, like I said, I know you're like saying like now the internet, you get every, but then you didn't get stuff like that, did you? In one place, yeah. maybe boy, yeah. don't you in the skill school? I think this was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> Although that was Russell T Davis's big break on Why Don't You? Oh, was it? Oh, dig. Oh, research- Russell T Davis started off as a researcher on Why Don't You? Oh, and uh, yes, they, he told a great now story. He's been, now he's being honoured. I think oh, he's getting a, 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 an achievement award. I believe he's been nominated for. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah, something, some kind of achievement anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. So, jumping on, <laughs> or breakdancing along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, moonwalking. <laughs> From moonwalking. Uh, <laughs> to the next subject. We're going, we're going back into the world of horror now for one of Mendes' favourites, Halloween, mm. 1978, uh, directed and scored by none other than John Carpenter, mm-hmm. the, the grandfather of horror. Yeah. At least in colour, anyway. Um, did you see this at home, or was this a cinema? No. Nope. Uh, I first saw this film in a log cabin <laughs> on a black and white TV in Ildwood. That sounds incredibly scary. Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's it, the is reason that not the worst place ever to watch? <laughs> I'd say, this film. you know, you get all these kind of things of like hidden cinema and uh, uh, flat pack cinema, all these kind of stuff, where they're now ironically doing horror films in like morgues and, uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, abandoned places. Um, but I was on uh, camp with um, my mum and dad, because my mum and dad were scout leaders, and obviously all the cubs had gone to bed, and I was allowed to stay up, me and Ian Sixton, I seem to remember. And in the kitchen, I had a very small black and white TV and we cracked open the Coke and we raided the tuck shop. <laughs> and uh, everyone had gone to bed and we stayed there. We were allowed to stay up. And we'd been around, we'd done all the, the, the ghost talks and around the campfire and all that kind of stuff. And we put it on and that just, it just happened to come on. And I was transfixed. And I don't know whether it was the fact, obviously the surroundings had a very big impact on me, but also watching it on black and white. There's something about watching it on black and white. It's like, you know, it's more of a noir kind of thing. And the fact that, you you know, it's more scary. It's more kind of like old-fashioned. And, and in fact, my, funny enough, my memory of that evening is in black and white. Wow. I, I don't know why, but it's all in black and white. Oh, that, that's, that's one of those things when, you, when, you, when you're when you obliged to watch. I remember, um, I remember watching Casino Royale, mm. the, for the original. Yeah. The 67 yeah, version, the, Niven the David Niven version. On um on on a black and white upstairs <laughs> and um j- just and I I was surprised to find out that film was in colour. Yeah. yeah, that must be a real shock. It is a very colourful film. <laughs> exactly. Now, now th- this is another of the films that's been that's been categorised as uh, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Yeah. Mm. Um, can you summarise the plot for those who haven't even seen it? Well, we've covered it all on Waffle On. Um, mm. It was one of our um, mm. ironic Halloween issues. I mean, it's the perfect film for having a very... Dist- I like horror, my horror films, like Kel's, Kel's a, a huge fan of zombies. I like mentally disturbing star horror films where 
Um, it's not, uh, you know, I, I don't like sudden <gasps> moments. Not jump scares. Yeah, don't like it's very modern now, very isn't modern. it? Very modern. But this film has real good suspense in it because, you know, the bit where Mike Myers, sorry, it's Mike Myers, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Myers, walks out from the hedge as she's walking along. And he's, it's the stillness, what, he's, yeah. what Carpenter does so well. And you're there, like, and then she looks back, and he's gone. And there's no way he could have. That's something. There's no way he could have run away. And yet he's not there. And when he's standing there, just looking up, and he's in the car, it, it's all stillness. Mm-hmm. And and you're sitting there going, "What's he going to do?" And yet you've been told that he's a, a maniac. You've been told that he, you know, all the, the atrocities he's done. And Donald Pleasance is so good, but Jamie Lee Curtis in his film, who's, who plays the heroine, and she's a really good heroine. I mean, she defends herself, she's trying to protect people. And it's her he's first so, film as well. He's, he's, again, yeah, it's her first film. And she is so, so good in this film. But it, is, it still scares me to this day. But it doesn't, I mean, un, un, unlike um, Zombie Flesh Eaters, um, that there's not that kind of graphic violence and gore. In this film, it's more, as you say, there's more suspense. Yeah. Well, it's, it's implied it's, as well. Yeah, it's it's implied, implied, I mean, there is the more thing, the fact that you can imagine somebody, you know, I mean, he breaks into the house and he's putting his hand through really rather badly into the shutters of the wardrobe door. But the fact that he could get in, you know, in that time in America, where you, in England, you could leave your kitchen door open. And that's what Carpenter does so well, especially opening scenes where he's the boy hmm. and he's got the clown mask on, which is he's even more disturbing. But you could imagine someone just coming into your home. We've all done it at night where you've been lying there and it's pitch black, but your mind plays tricks on you. You think someone's standing there and you realise that it's your shirt you left up or something yeah. like that. And that's what that film does. And it could happen at any time. And it's so, so good. I mean, in the music as well. Carpenter performs that music so well and it's not over the top it's not learning it's just beautifully melancholic and so especially having seen this in the in the, you know, in the, in the scout hut in the park and you know mm. pro- probably not the most secure of environments you know, yeah. very few loose windows I imagine you didn't sleep <laughs> and it was, a windy, it was a windy storm oh, because no. we'd done the campfire <laughs> the reason why everyone came in was because the, the, the rain decided to come down so the fire was out so you kind of had the glistening embers in the background of the fire and everything brilliant yeah. and the last thing you wanted was somebody creeping around in what was a Captain Kirk mask yeah, yeah it was it was a William yeah. Shatner mask yeah with the yeah. eyes made, made what for $1.98 and <laughs> turned out to be I mean the budget of the film was 300000 it grossed $47 million wow. it's, it's amazing, um, yeah. and, but all the, the secret to the, that $47 million was as you say the suspense the movement yeah. and a, a $2 mask and also they, they painted virtually all the leaves a different colour because it was filmed out of season so when you watch it and all the leaves on the floor they've all been painted and actually that <laughs> area where it was all filled hasn't changed now you can go there can't you, know, you? Yeah, you can go there too yeah, it's sure. such a beautiful area yeah. Yeah. and Jamie Lee Curtis bought all her own clothes from the charity shops to make her look so dirty and she, I mean I still think Jamie Lee Curtis looks stunning now. Mm. I don't think Jamie Lee Curtis fantasies, so don't let them come <laughs> out. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, I've been trading places on later on, I reckon. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Well, thank, thank you for the uh, for the disturbing thought okay. thought of a load of cubs quaking in a scout hut, <laughs> clustered round a, a black and white telly. But this is this is exactly what we want, and mm. I think I think. Um, the, the more we hear more about these child memories and these formative experiences of, of watching films, mm. I'm already seeing the waffle on message boards on yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> on Facebook filling up with everybody else's fa- favourite experiences. So don't be shy, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's get a bit of a debate going. We'd love to hear, um, I think, yeah, well, Meds would love to moderate um, all of, <laughs> the, all, all of the, those first experiences of, of, uh, of seeing films, which... Um, now we've got a link finally 
Um, because the John Carpenter theme carries on into Kell's next film, which is Escape from New York. 1986, um, set in a... We've got the word dystopian again. <laughs> it's a theme going on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the dystopian future of 1997. Well, they got that wrong by 20 years. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's not far. Oh, 20, not, as, not as bad as space. 2017 uh, is, <laughs> is properly dystopian. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of links with Escape from New York, um, which include John Carpenter. It was co-written by Nick Castle, who had portrayed Mike Myers in, yeah. in, in Halloween. Um, it's an absolute cult, cult classic. Um, and where did you see it? Well, this was again the man at the video shop. <laughs> now, this I isn't as much a video nasty. No, no, no. This was like, he was like, I'll give you, when you're on the here, you give whatever you, before he went to prison. <laughs> well, all, uh, all the videos underneath that game, yeah, yeah. it's like my mum I went up one day the video was closed and mum I said oh, he's got these on to prison why? you don't need to know oh, so I, I thought yeah. I don't need to that anyway, <laughs> I remember going up and I'd be and I was always obsessed with films after nuclear wars because I used to walk home from school and you'd hear the air raid war and yeah. going off and it scared the shit out of me and I always thought there was going to be and Threads was on the TV mm. I was scared and I watched Threads and it scared me to death and I remember going up to Vingham I was telling the video shop and he went wow if you like that you'll love this film then this is like set after the war even though it didn't and he gave me this video and it was like a desolate and I thought oh I'm going to love this and I remember going home yet again one home from school my mum was at work yeah, I mean, bad parenting, I suppose, but they both had to work. So I got home, my brother was upstairs playing snooker or whatever he was doing, and I put this on, and he fucking blew the socks off me. Right. From the first second, I sort of fell in love, in a male way, with Kurt Russell. <laughs> and my friends used to take the piss out of me when I was young for going on about Kurt Russell too much. But I thought he was the ultimate badass. I thought, look at him, he's got an eye patch on. Right, he don't hardly. He hardly speaks in this film. Hardly speaks. He don't even look particularly tough. No. But I just thought this was everything. And this yet again, this I use this as a yardstick for films to this day. Is it as good when I see a film that's set in an afternoon kind of war or blah blah? Is it as good as Escape from New York? Has it got a character as great as Snake Plissken? Has it got Lee Van Cleef in it? It was bloody amazing. <laughs> so yet again, it was just a film. I was about eleven, twelve. It, this isn't super violent, but you shouldn't watch it when you're 11. But mm. I was so de- desensitised violence by this stage. It didn't really matter. Mm. It was like a flow, flow over me. But yet again, it's still... I watched <laughs> it about three weeks ago again. And it, really? I must have saw it 100 times and it's still... Didn't we, didn't we have um, the Kurt Russell birthday party? Yeah, we even, had his, his, we even had his 40th birthday party. No, 50th. 50th, 50th birthday yeah. party. We went out on the piss for Kurt Russell's 50th birthday. Do you remember what the, remember <laughs> we had the poster in the living room? Do you remember what the tagline was? Uh... Bring a beer, bring a beer, bring a, big a beer. Like, we're obsessed with his beard. <laughs> because after this, it was the thing, and it was, it was everything. Thing, yeah. and it's like, I become obsessed with John Carpenter. Mm. And it, like, I even went and saw him last year, perform this live. Brilliant. And I've never had such a fit. I got up, and I was shouting my mate, five minutes <laughs> because I couldn't hold myself back. Uh, because it meant that much to yeah. me. To see that on the big screen, John Carpenter in front of me, yeah. playing it on the keyboard. It's like, oh my God. And it was like, there must have been... 2,000 of like-minded people in there. And that's when I found out John Carpenter means so much to people mm. in his most best famous person with the initials JC. Who <laughs> <laughs> is also a carpenter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
How how does that the, it had a sequel some eleven years later? How does that stand up? No, no, we're not going to talk about it. Even no, even no, though it was no, Kurt like I said, it's again. sort of him taking the piss out of that first film. It's like typical John Carpenter. He's the one to do a sequel. I know. I'm going to rip that one and ruin it because that's what he because he hated the yeah. studios. So if, if I, I went on for the show, I will ruin myself in the studios, which you've got to admire yeah. anyone like that. That was a bit like uh, the people who did that sequel to uh, Jason Statham's film. You know, the, the, we did oh that. yeah, but they uh, yeah, uh, Crank, Crank, Crank Two. Crank that was two. the same. Next, ruin it. I've got to say, it's got Peter Fonda in it, and I love Peter Fonda. Steve Buscemi, right? Ooh. It's got Steve Buscemi. I like it, and it's got Kurt Russell being good. But it's just like a power. A parody of it. It's, un- it's got I think, the worst surfing. Scene. I think it's unwatchable. It's yeah, sort of unwatchable. Terrible. And I don't want to say that about it, JC, but he'd like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you sent him a message, you go, yeah, good, that's what I was trying for. But Escape from New York, that's your memory and you're, 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 you're sticking with, you're sticking it, with it, your it 1986 always, memory. It always been with me. <laughs> it, was a firm, it was a firm film we used to watch at the flat quite a lot. Yeah, again, a lot of these films, like I said, you'll see as we go down, a lot of films is where we, me and Simon meant bonded on films and when we like first moved in together, as we'll talk about in a bit, when we'll talk about a film in a bit, that we used to watch all these films. Mm. That's all our, uh, a lot of our waffling films we used to watch all the while. <laughs> Friday night, right, at night, you never have a lot of money, let's watch films, every night, watch films, every night. And it was all a lot of these kind of films. Yeah. And that's where it comes, like, you know, I feel films can be quite, as well as a single experience, I think they can be a great shared experience. Even if you're not speaking to each other, when you're watching it, it's just good to be there. Yeah, because you are, as you say, it's the whole experience. Comedy is the ultimate one like that, isn't ah, it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, comedy and horror because you get you get those reactions. You yeah, know, you and don't, it you don't plays up. Yeah, yeah, it's a, been proven. It does. Cin- a it? cinema full of people going ha 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 or going <gasps> yeah, you know, adds to that environment of the film. As if you were the only person in the cinema, you go. It's yeah, really right. funny, but I don't want, especially especially if you're English. I don't really want to laugh. Yeah, because <laughs> there's an awful lot of warmth, and I'm going to use that word fairly advisedly about um, the format in which you've seen a lot of these films in. We're talking mm. VHS. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking, you know, uh, especially you know your, your urchin years, okay? yeah. when you're scribbling around with your tiny little yeah. Donald Trump hands, trying, yeah, to, yeah, trying yeah. to think of a massive tape. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, um, Peter Max, I had, so it was still pretty small. Oh, wow, even better. <laughs> but there's a there's a there's a warm glow. To a copied or even a, a even lead. a badly tracked VHS oh, tape, yes. which I think is it, it's it's probably our generation's equivalent of a small a small scratch or a bump on a uh, on on a vinyl record. Yeah, actually, definitely. because there's something to be said for watching something on video, just because you don't get yeah. the little glitch, you mm. don't get the me and, so- me, and me and Simon, me and Meds used to have a video called Old Crunk. <laughs> we did, didn't we? Right? Yeah. I had a video from my childhood from when I was about, my mum bought it to me when I was about 12, and I still had it when I was in my early 20s. You remember it? The one that you connected up to the fan. Yeah, I clicked it to a, <laughs> I used to, yeah, that's my urge. I was always doing like Ill- illegal things with electricity as well. So I thought, I, could, I wonder if I could. Because well, I had the, a flat gut in the there. Yeah, yeah, I could connect the video up to a fan. I don't know how I did it, but I managed to do it. How the hell? Did you, I, no, I, I, know, I was just messing around with the wires at the back, and I just uh, I know I also got electric shots around about this time. Oh, it's me experimenting, but it was such an old was, thingy, yeah. and you had to hit it with a hammer to get it working. Yeah. But it lasted me, and it, and you know, my it was mom, top loader, wasn't it? Yeah, a top yeah. loader that, and my mum threw it away in the end, and I was oh. so disappointed because I wanted to have it all my life, but she said it was a health hazard. <laughs> you used to smoke when it come on. Only because she'd been messing around connected to the fans. Yeah, but all the videos, these, were on this, was on this video. A lot of these films I'd watched on that video. It was a knacker. The tracking was out. Yep, yep. Right, the 
rewind never didn't well, she had to get out and do it with a pen like that to kind of get that back there. Yeah. but it meant so much and I got more love out of that than it would for any Blu-ray player mm. I love Blu-ray but does it blow me away like that no no <laughs> no this doesn't well, perfect. I mean, yeah. I mean, okay. We're we're, we're talking about knackered old Betamaxes and mm. you, you you hacking the back of them and trying to get just see at them. The dystopian, yeah, the, the dystopian <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. world was never far away. I won't I won't call it escapism. We're, we're already it, we're I, already primed for I'll, it. I'll just call it identifying with your surroundings in this case. Um, yes. Okay. Well, you know, any time travellers listening, seventies and eighties Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. Uh, give it a miss. Really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, talking of VHS thrills mm. and talking of um, uh, video nasties and stuff that's been banned and uh, talking about people with the initials JC involved, <laughs> um, Monty Python's Life of Brian. Starring JC himself, Mr. John Cleese, um, and Mr. GC himself, my one of one of my absolute favourites, Graham Chapman. Yeah. 1979, directed by most of the group, but mostly by Terry Jones, who yeah. grabbed the credit for it. Um, Meds, tell us where you first came across Life of Brian. Now, uh, this this is a bit of a hazy one because um, I think I saw it on TV. But my ultimate memory is of owning it on video. And um there we go again with the yeah. magic of the yeah. yeah. Because Python had been an incredibly important part of my life growing up, from such a young age like Doctor Who was in seventy nine. I remember seeing Monty Python when I was about four or five, because it was always on TV at home. And I bought the records, I had them on tape. I had Dewey Lane on LP, I know you did as well, Cal. Mm-hmm. And I had the books and when I went to school like you are, there wasn't many of people who went to my junior school to my secondary school. I met Kel on my first day at school. And the one thing I brought with me, because it was almost like a comfort blanket in my bag, was the uh, Monty Python book that I had in my bag. Now, and which book was that? The was big... That the, uh, the, the white one red, or the blue? No, the, the big bl- red book. The blue one, the, blue one. Which, the big red one, yeah. which I've got on that shelf at my Yeah. Room. And Fantastic. In, about a year what, later, weren't there some bosoms in that? I think there was. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. But mum and dad didn't. <laughs> mum and dad didn't care about it. And, and I had also had the scripts. And I could because I used to like doing acting and stuff like that even when I was younger. I kind of I didn't was never me and Kat was never popular at school. But for some reason, me doing comedy stuff, I kind of like was stood out and left alone. And it was it was like almost like a defense shield you use humor as a defense yeah. mechanism and i used Chanting. to listen to python <laughs> i used to listen to python on my my stereo you know my headset in in bed and pretend to be on stage doing all the stuff wow. and then i watched holy grail because it's on tv along with uh, an episode completely different but i never got to see life of brian for some reason although I, it seems to think that's what on tv and i went out and bought it from woolworths on video and the video this is not state of mind. The video cover was so fabulous because it was in a clear box. And you opened the video case up, took the video out, and it had the whole cast on the inside cover. So you could read it all. Oh. And then you got to see who played who and everything mm. like that. And I then bought my mum for her birthday, Monty Python and the Holy Grail on video. And she just handed it to me and said, I don't know why you're bothered. You should have just had it yourself. Bless but, her. <laughs> <laughs> but that's mm. the memory that I seem mm. to have of buying, have, having it on videotape. And I think I, I still own it on videotape. In the, it's in the loft at the moment. Beautiful. Now, what was your take on, I mean, the, the blasphemy or otherwise uh, has been discussed at length by, by greater minds than ours. <laughs> 
Um, Mugridge notwithstanding. Yeah. But, um, but what was your <laughs> what, what was your take on the blasphemy or lack of when you when you saw it? Well, I didn't know anything about the the blasphemy point because it was you know I, I haven't yet read the books on it and I own them now and I've read them all. Um, so when I put it on, I put it on because it was Monty Python hmm. and that was it, simple as that. But the fact that Jesus is at the beginning of the film. I didn't. I, I I got it straight away that it was about somebody else, and I, I always struggle to. I don't believe anybody's arguing that it's blasphemous when the fact that Christ is at the beginning, yes. and they had such respect for it as they said. When you have a character and that you've been accused of, of blasphemy, when the character's in it at the beginning of the film, you can't say it's it's against that. So I didn't know it's ending. I just loved the fact that Python for me. I'm a work when I do writing. I'm notorious for doing dialogue writing. I love dialogue writing. Mm. And Python, especially Cleese and Chapman, they were the ones who always wrote the argument stuff and the, and the death scene sketch with like, my mum's in the bag, oh, she's an eater. Um, mm. Their dialogue is so good. And that, that, even the, the, big, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, speak up. Ah, mm. oh, blessed are the cheesemakers. Mm. To me, that's just what the, the whole of Python was all about. These wonderful ways of sticking in unusual words that you'd never... Why would anybody talk about cheesemakers, mm. you know, in, in, in that time period? Well, obviously, it's a blanket term referring to any manufacturer of dairy products. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. But again, Chapman was, you know, such an uh, 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 understated actor because he was so shy about everything and actually one of his one of his wonderful films is Yellowbeard which he was virtually in charge of the whole thing Martin Feldman's <laughs> last film in fact he died while filming it um, he stands out so well and so does Terry Jones directing Jones directs that film so well in fact the only bad thing in that film is Terry Gilliam's contribution with the space thing but, but it's neither here nor there yeah. so Life of Brian for you it's, it's, it's got to be the best of the Python films it is it is the best of the Python film, and there's always something nice in every Python mm, film. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I in fact, it, out of all my list of films, I, I toyed with the idea of putting this one in purely because of the fact that I didn't want to put my favourite films in my list. It's, this is a list of things that means to do. But yeah. Life of Brian, it, it kind of kept me sane when I was younger. When I went for a bad period in my you know late teens. This was the film I would put on and all my troubles at the time of my life went away. Mm. I, I've always been a fan of humour, but Python is so important to me. And this film sums up everything. that, I, And to this day, I can put it on the CD or the film and feel happy. Mm. And this film pokes fun at an awful lot of different groups. You know, it pokes oh, fun God, at, at, so at the does, establishment. Yeah. It pokes fun at, at, at any kind of cult. Yeah. You, you, you can't get swept away in any kind of cult, whether it be... Well, Scientology or yeah. Yeah, any kind, any well, kind of religion any isms. I mean, especially um, at the moment where we have like you know you terrorism so. going yeah. on. Yeah. If, I think honestly, hand on heart, because it doesn't. It, it's not criticizing. It's not having to go at people. But I think this is one of those films that you should put on for kids at school. You might have to be a little bit careful with the you know the <laughs> Judy scene, but <laughs> but it, say, it. it says so much <laughs> about how you shouldn't follow people just because they say. I know. Uh, I know. I think you're the best, and I should know because I've followed a few. Yeah, it's yeah. perfect. It's a brilliant yeah, line. Yeah, that yeah. there's an awful lot of truth in it, and yeah, it's it's a it's a smashing film and well worth the listen. Yeah, I don't think you'd get tired of. Uh, of no, again, that again, we've done. We, I think we have done it on. We have done it on waffle. We've done all the pythons, mate. Apart from me and life. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> 
Um, but we're not going to stray too far from uh, from <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> the baby Jesus, from the baby Jesus, uh, because uh, again we've, we're continuing on with the Jesus theme. Kel's next film is The Last Temptation of Christ, um, nineteen eighty eight epic drama film directed by Martin Scorsese, not written by Jesus and the disciples, because they made it very, very clear that this was not based on the Gospels in any, in any form, much like Life of Brian. Yeah. Um, both of these films uh, have distinguished themselves by being part of a Channel 4 season mm. that I think you might remember from the early 90s, which was banned films. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. And I'm ah. wondering if that's when you first saw this. It is. Ah. Be- well, yeah, again, my... I, this was after I moved when Simon had moved out, and I moved in with my friend Kev, and he was he was really into theology, and he wasn't religious in any way, but he was really interested in reading about religion. Hmm. So you know, theology, but not a religious person, and he was obsessed with this book, the book. He was obsessed with it, and it, you know, this was before my love of reading sort of come about. Really, I was just like a TV kid, and he said, "I'll read this book." I don't want it, and he said. Well, watch the film then. Watch the film, and he and then he come up to me about a week later. Oh, it's going to be on. It's on on Channel Four. Watch yeah. it. And I thought I ain't going to like this. <laughs> and I was complete yet again. I'm an atheist. I was completely transfixed with this film because I thought, my God, they're actually telling a story of like real people. These are real people. So it's an accessible film about. Yeah, you know, I want to know about these people because I believe they were real, but I want to know what these people were actually like. Forget about the miracles, forget about the Roman, you know, Roman propaganda, or forget about anything. Just these are what are the people, this is from the, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls and all this stuff was all in there. And then, but the most important thing about this film, what I loved about it, when I met my wife at the time, when she first was coming back to my house, she said, oh, can I come back and watch a film? And I thought, this is a, this means something else. So this, this will go all right. And she come in and we sat down and my friend had gone to bed and he said, put on one of your favourite films. I thought, I'm going to test her now. Okay, Let, yeah, well, this is a test. Lexus C. So I put Last Temptation on Christ and sat there. She looked at me and she went, I want, I've never saw this film, but I want to watch all of it. And we sat up till three in the morning watching that film. So you didn't get it. So you didn't no. get what you came for no. anyway. No, no. <laughs> but it said, I knew that was the right person for me. Nice. She yeah. sat down on the patience. first date and watched Last Temptation Cross. That's a heavy film. It's a beautiful film. Willem Dafoe is amazing in it. One of my favourite actors. We got uh, Defoe, Cartel, uh, and uh, as Judas, you know, Judas and <laughs> David Bowie as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, 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 have you you saw this film, Pete? No, I've only only ever seen clips of it, and it's it, actually uh, I, I'm I was interested in reading about it because it was a you know 1955 novel. You know, yeah, it's a very famous novel. It? So um, so yeah, and uh, especially because it's likely to cause controversy in a very different way to uh, to the life of Brian. Um, it did get boycotted by a lot of people. It is still banned in the Philippines and Singapore. It's even now. Well, it's really yeah. what Jesus was a real man and liked to have sex. Hmm. Well, that's a shock, isn't it? Yeah. He didn't do, you know, he went famous since he was 27. So what has he done with all these bloody lives? What have he been doing? Normal made, things. Made tables. Normal things. No, but he actually, well, he made crosses. Yeah. That's what he made crosses for the crucifixion. That's what he's, That's what Carpenter did then. So he's like he weren't bu- making hobby horses. So in essence, it was like a busman's holiday at the end of your life. <laughs> <laughs> We're going back to thinking. But and I, 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 like I said, it, it, again, it's not my favourite film. It's just nowhere near. But mm. it's got a very important part of my... Because I 
met my wife, I say, this film is our film. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, most people go to romantic comedy. <laughs> my wife sat up till three in the morning and watched Les Thompson and Christ. I thought, this is the person for me. With all the failings she's got. Well, I'll play it as well. <laughs> but that is always in there. And I think, you know, she loves films as much as me. And I think you sat and watched that because most girls would think, he must be a religious weirdo. They would, wouldn't they? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a peculiar thing to be <laughs> taken home to watch. Yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah. I, think, I think if you'd put on uh, um, uh, Lewis Grade's, uh, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, you might have had a different okay, scenario. Yeah. Well, that's know. the only religion I ever knew growing up. I had, like, my, my, my dad's a Catholic, I had to go to Sunday school, and I always hated it. I thought, mm. this is not real. These I got thrown out of RE for questioning that Jesus might be black. You know, I was playing, I thought, you can't have a, your own thought. And I watched this film, and I thought, this is a... People have got their own ideas on what religion is. These are real people. Look at these people as real. They did great things as real people, not some bloody cosmic dictator. <laughs> I think I'm not going to argue with that. Are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. no, it's interesting, and, and in in looking at these films and in listening to you guys talking about them, it's it's, it's given me a guide as to a lot of these work which I haven't uh, to my uh, to my cost seen. Also, um, I think Willem Dafoe is. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, that is, yeah, he just to show how much of a great. I tell even religious people who think I can't watch that film because they've listened to what someone's told them. Yeah. Just don't watch it yourself and think, oh my god, these are, that, they were great because they're normal. Because that, your film there <laughs> and my last one with Life of Brian is exactly the same kind of thing. Where it's the fact that you know it so annoys me when people turn around and say I'm not watching it because it's like, well, no, no, watch it first, then make it. And if you don't like, if you find it offensive, hmm. then fine. At least you, you give it sure. a chance. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's people who are equally offended by both. For or wrong reasons yeah, anyway like Mrs Brown's voice <laughs> but yes anybody yeah anybody who watches Mrs Brown's voice but yes let's not even go there but um, now um, the next film um, from Mr Meds is is a film which which we have we have history with this yes, film yes we do now, uh, yeah. we do um, because in an earlier uh, Waffle On podcast mm. um, you tied me to a chair oh. and made me watch The Blues Brothers yeah um, 1980, a uh, musical crime comedy film directed by John Landis. Yes. Um, when did you first became become aware of this film that I'm still slightly questioning about? Uh, uh, 1986. <laughs> wow. I first saw it. Uh, again, Channel 4, late at night. Brilliant. Um, we owe a lot of this to Channel we 4, do, don't we? Channel 4. I, in fact, I saw it, I saw half of it about a year before and I got so into it at school I used to sit next to Woody who's the composer of our theme tune and we watched that film I used to rent it from the video store in Yardley and I remember the video cover was one of the the big box covers right and it had a white cover with them dancing on top of the upside down car which was (laughs) obviously never in the scene that was just amazing and I tried to buy the videotape off them and they wouldn't sell it tried to steal it (laughs) <laughs> couldn't, couldn't get away with it oh, you. I got, but I rented it so much and then bought it on video and again this ended up being later on in life one of the films we would watch before going out on a Saturday night but I remember the thing that sticks in my mind is me and Woody being able to quote the whole film yeah. needless to say we've, actually no we did pass because it was English I think and being able to quote the whole of this film and still in pubs later in life we would do the same thing but buying the Video, or was it a video of the DVD? I can't remember which it was now. Suddenly finding 
extra scenes in the film that was never broadcast. Oh, so, because there's a TV cut for TV some of these And a thingy so then, cut. Yeah. And suddenly seen as a bit where you see Elwood in his factory and you see the where the car gets parked in an electrical kind of car park, which is the reason why apparently John Landis and Dan Aykroyd, because Dan Aykroyd wrote this, where the, the car gets its power from, where it's able to do these strange jumps and can, and can sort of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, last for so long. Um, the music's fabulous in it but and again I had the soundtrack and I got obsessed with the Blues Brothers with Danny Aykroyd with John Belushi I had the huge poster you remember the poster on my bedroom wall this massive poster it was about the size of your kitchen uh, your, your chimney breast there oh, yeah. and it was huge I had the soundtrack I had the briefcase full of blues which oh, was the live <laughs> which was the live <laughs> album which I first borrowed from uh, Birmingham Central Library on LP. God rest its soul. Yeah. And um, and because that was the that was taken from the amphitheatre, which was uh, they opened for Steve Martin, and they recorded that show oh, live, wow. and that was their first album. So I mean, a lot of quotable lines in this, as there were as were in, in Life of Brian. But yeah. with this one, you've got the added uh, the added bonus of the thing I loved about the mm. the film was actually getting to see. All of these music stars, Cab Calloway, James Brown, Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, mm-hmm. um, John Lee Hooker. Yeah, um, and that's an extended scene as well. And you've got you've got proper musical performances and in some cases acting performances from these people, which if you'd waited even ten years to, to do it, you'd have you'd have lost yeah. half of them. Well I was blessed I always remember that when um they knocked down um the old Swan Market pub and was building Uh, what is there now an office block on the left hand side by the library and they had the Blues Brothers band on tour with Cab Calloway right and I really wanted to go and see it and I just for some reason I didn't go mum and dad wouldn't let me or we couldn't get the moon to go but I vowed I would go and see them the year later sadly Cab Calloway then died they then did another tour and I got to see them and it was the band you saw in the film (laughs) along with Eddie Floyd uh, the singer he was well known for doing all those. So it's the band like Donald Duck and yeah, he was. What? He was well, which of course Donald Duck Dunn and Steve Copper yeah. was Booker T and the MGs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got uh, the greatest rhythm sections yeah, of all time. Duck Dunn sadly yeah. Yeah. recently passed away. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Matt Guitar Murphy, Blue Lou Marini, Tom Bones Malone. Uh, Mr. Fabulous, a brilliant was, name as well. Didn't Willie Nut, yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. It was the proper band, proper band in the film, and I saw them at the Alexander Theatre. And it was just superbly, superbly, burbly, fabulous. It was brilliant. And so from watching it on Channel 4 to going actually seeing the live blues band playing, I think it's all the music as well. The well, music that, is the music so, will, so important. will anchor itself in your memories, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, it was a very expensive film. <laughs> it was. Yeah, and, and, and also a, a failure yeah. when it first came out. It was deemed a flop. Mm. <laughs> didn't, didn't make see, it. I, see, I think this is what I think of you most of growing up with you. Because uh, he did love Monty Python. I know he did, but mm. he was always on about the Blues Brothers. Mm. Now, which is weird, because it's one of the films where I'm not a massive real, fan of yeah. it. Mm. So it's one of the only ones where we had... Well, no, I don't, I don't dislike it, and I watch it many times, but I'm, I'm never mad for it. It's he a very long film. It's a bit, yeah. I don't know, I just find it a bit much. A bit mm. much. It's a bit contrived for me. And um, this was the only... He was always on about it. Always on about the Blues Brothers. Him and Woody... Be sitting in class, they're doing impre- all their clear, all them doing all the lines out of it. You go around his house, have the records on. He's always going on about the blues, but someone knows what in I fact, know what fact, this means. Well, the first comic relief 
which we did at school. It was at school in the first Corey Lee side. And uh, you could dress something with that walk. Yes. I went as Elwood Blue. Yeah, you did, there's yeah. a photograph my mum's got of me with a, a it actually was a blue fisherman's hat. Yeah. And um, I had that on me with sunglasses. I think Richard Stansby was Jake, I think. Wow. And I wanted to do a band as well. That's when I wanted to first do a band. So this is real formative stuff. This, <laughs> yeah. is, this is really nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, now, just as we had with um, Escape from New York, mm. um, there's, there's the difficult sequel, which we have to talk so about here, which, 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 is, which, is always a, which is always a thorn in the side. <laughs> what, um, quick thought on well, that? Well, I saw that at cinema, the Blues Brothers 2000, and I, I knew it was... Gone to a slight down and then he had a kid in it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was always a sign. Uh, and of course, films. of course, John had died. So I mean, John died in '92, and so, and I did really hope Jim Belushi was going to because Jim Belushi did uh, play the yeah. role of um, Z, I think Z Blues in in the live stand live shows that he oh. still did with Dan Aykroyd and still do. Hmm. Um, you know what? It's it's just basically a very poor remake of the Blues Brothers, mm. but there's some real nice scenes in it. Um, there's some wonderful music in it. Uh, Eddie Floyd turns up in there, of course, and some old favourites. They will look a lot older. It's not terrible, but <laughs> it's also... I have watched it a few times, actually. And the soundtrack is wonderful. I do own the soundtrack, no surprise. But, yeah, it, I think they could have done a lot more with it. They really mm. could. I thought the death, I thought Elwood finding out about the death of, of Jake was lovely. I thought oh. it was really nice. A nice cameo from Frank Gars on that. Um, but it does go into, you know, you bring a kid into something and uh, you're already onto a bit of it. It's always going to piss a lot of people off. You know, it's a shame. Yeah, really. yeah, because the, the the original film, and like like any film that is uh, that has a proper influence on mm. children and young people, generally wouldn't have a child in it. Mm. It's, it it's, it's generally something which is, which is an adult film which you just latch on to. Um, which it hasn't been spoon-fed to you and yeah. say there's a kid in this, this is for kids. I mean, I can see why they did it because the, the whole... Pre- I mean, the, the original film of... Uh, the, well, the original script of it was a, was literally wrapped in a telephone directory when Dan, uh, Dan Aykroyd said because he literally wrote the how they found each other, the two lads found each other in the orphanage and Elwood and Jake became brothers. I mean, they're not proper brothers. They, they found each other in the orphanage and stuck with each other and looked after each other. And, of course, the young boy is from an orphanage. So it's kind of like... And I think mm, there was a slight hope idea. that, like Dan Aykroyd was going to do with, with Ghostbusters, where there was going to be a transition to, like, a, a, you know, the younger people doing it. But, of course, the wonderful thing about the Blues Brothers is that, and I think I can speak for Kel on this, is the fact we both have a almost love fantasy about... 70s New York and oh, 70s Chicago. And, and, uh, <laughs> oh, where it does, you know, there's a wonderful thing I read the other day about how you know New York's subways called Mugger's Territory. You know how it's all gritty and grimy, and the Blues Brothers sums it up. You, you look, look how much Americanas in what we're talking about. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. and yeah. that gives us a, a lovely link because um, as far back as I can remember, all I ever wanted to be was a gangster, <laughs> which is not the first line. No, of no, Goodfellas. No, 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 no. Goodfellas, 1991. Kel's next choice. Martin <laughs> Scorsese, uh, again. Um, and, yeah, uh, another film uh, that's an adaptation of, um, this time a non-fiction book, uh, Wise Guy by Nicholas Pileggi. And this is absolutely... Um, th- this is possibly the most... Um, the most high-profile film that we're going to come across tonight. It was voted number one by Total Films' 100 Greatest Movies of All Time. Because they're right. There we go. And it is 
another one of these films which you guys have chosen, which is culturally, historically and aesthetically significant. Time out. Well, uh, well, as I said, it's the greatest film ever made. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it just, it just is. I will argue that you know, there's not a perfect film about the American dream and the experience. Well, uh, there's many levels why this film. I remember, uh, I was about. I didn't see it on the cinema when it came out because I didn't because I didn't really wasn't that aware of the mafia. Mm. I'd heard the term, and um, it was about ninety three. And um, I went to the pictures with a girlfriend at the time. And I was sitting there like a schoolboy, all the way, wide-eyed schoolboy coming out with my girlfriend at the time. And to come out, and I went, the next day I went to the shop, the local bookshop, and bought a big pile of books about the Mafia, which I've still got now. And I've just <laughs> read my 115th book on the Mafia. <laughs> I watch films of it. I mean... I mean, I do podcasts, I mean, chat rooms. I became obsessed with this idea of a, a subculture that's there, that's so powerful. Basically, because I thought, I loved Bond growing up, and mm. I thought, there's no such thing as, like, all these Spectre or Thrush or all these things. And I thought, oh, there is. There is. Mm. And they're more powerful and richer. And I became obsessed with this film. And I watched it last Friday for about my 40th time. Uh, I watched it last week as well. I introduced Natalie to it. Right. It's yeah. one of these films, whenever you can put it on, you can carry on watching it. Even if you've missed the first hour, you put it on and it's great. Well, like most Scorsese films, it's it's long. Yeah, it's yeah, long yeah, yeah. Um, but, but you are introduced to this whole world through Henry Hill, who's only a small time gangster, but the view that Ray Liotta's character gives you through mm. that looking glass... Um, is amazing. It, it got nominated for six Academy Awards, won only one for uh, Joe Pesci. It's like, Scorsese's is not won an Oscar. What is going on there? <sighs> now, if there's something against, uh, well, you know what we said, they don't like Italian Americans. No. Right? Well, well, the Academy don't. They don't like them. And, and, and he always said to you, you look know at who it. runs the Academy, though? Let's not get into that. You? You're, getting, you're getting into Mel Gibson too, you know. Let's, let, let's pull back. Sugar, let's pull back. Sugar religious controversy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it, you know I've, I love all his films. He's my favourite director. I think, you know, he's still making great films and he's 70 odd, but this to me is his work of art. Yeah. And you said this is culturally significant. It is culturally significant mm. because mm. I think, you know, it's a bit... It's a bit fantastical. The actual, you know, I read Wise Guys, a great book. It's a very different experience. Yeah. You read Wise, it's very different. I got that word. It's, read that it's very, very different. But my God, if you want to think of the American dream about coming from nothing and grabbing it all, a bit like the way Scarface is for another generation of mm. rappers and that. They saw the same thing. He grabs, and this is Henry Hill, he's nothing. I know, I'm going to be part of these people and be powerful. Well, even, even in prison. Yeah. Even the prison scene where they're getting all the food coming in. Sad and Parley's, Parley's doing the, the meatballs and he's, you know, that whole bullshit thing of them. you got to slice the, uh, the, the the garlic really thin, which is actually crap. You yeah. don't do that. But I love that. Right? Yeah, but you that. still did it for years. I still did it for years. I still did it. And it's like even like, you know, Joe Pesci in it. You know, when he first come on screen, you'd never thought of a little bloke being that terrifying. Oh, right? so scary. You know, you think, oh, well, usually the big, the terrifying is the big bloke, mm. the big muscly bloke, and he's a little bloke. Oh, well, yeah, because, I mean, the, the guy who was portraying Tommy DeSimone, yeah. was, apparently his portrayal was pretty much bang on accurate with the fact that Tommy Dissman was a huge guy. Yeah. Mm. But Joe Pesci just acted that yeah. big. Yeah. And um, also, I think you feel, 
You, although he's, I mean, he's a horrible. He's probably the worst person in that. Uh, no, he's a, he was a he's, yet, he was a raving psychopath yeah, as well. Yet, you do feel when he's taken out, when he the the scene where he realizes where he goes, oh, and he gets taken out. Mm. You do, and you shouldn't. You feel quite sad for him. Yeah. You know, because he was never really... The interesting thing about his cat, the real, that Tommy, the, 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 why he was like he was, was his father was the mafioso, and he got caught and he ratted his friends out. So his name was Mud in the Mafia. Hmm. So he had to be worse. He had to be the baddest, the hmm. most evil, violent, to get respect. But he was never liked in the Mafia, and he was never going to get made. No, he was never going to get made, because his family had been dishonourable, but it, that didn't stop him. And like I said, it, 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 you know, it's been done a million times now. Yeah. It's the famous scene, isn't the long it? Shot, the, you know, the, the, about in what you think I'm funny. Yeah. But you know, it's sort of been sort of diluted. But you know, when you first saw that scene, my God, that's an intimidation. Oh, yeah. He has yeah. He's, what he's doing. You don't know if he's being yeah. funny. You well, never also, know. Awesome as well. I remember we was we was out, and we've we've known people like that where you you talk to them and suddenly they. They go, yeah. and, he, and he's not too oh. sure it's going on. Isn't this well, one of Samuel L. Jackson's first films as well? We play Spider. Yeah, no, no uh, he plays um, Stick. Uh, St- stick. Stick. Oh, right, anyway, yeah. but um, I, I just think it was like that, you know, when you first see this film, you think they're all a great bunch of friends together. Yeah. And as you go through, you realise these people hate each other, and they're just as, they want to kill each other, and mm-hmm. they do. Because you've got... What's your favourite scene in that film? Well, I don't know, because I like Jimmy Burton. Oh, Jimmy Conway, in this. his real name is Jimmy Burton. Jimmy Burton yeah. I, I, I love Jimmy Burton, Jimmy the Gents. Yeah. I, I, I love the bit with the... Well, basically, you know when he's got the bloke with the wig? Who owns the wig <laughs> shop? And uh, he wants to kill him. And he's, he's going to kill him, and he's trying, really trying to talk him out of it. Yeah. He's trying to talk him out of it. And he talks him out of it, and you think he's... Oh, he's that, and then all of a sudden he turns around and kills him. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just, real spine-chilling yeah. stuff in there. There, are, there were apparently some actual mobsters were hired as extras <laughs> yeah. to lend authenticity to the film, which is a terrifying prospect. Because, and also, yeah, because because when you're when you're filming something like this based on a true story, you're you're playing with fire, really. Oh yeah, yeah. and you know, uh, Jimmy Burton's family threatened Martin Scorsese mm. because they didn't want his name being mud. But, you know, everyone knew who Jimmy the Gent was. He was a raving psychopath yeah. who died penniless in the end, like yeah, all of them do. Like all of them, do, all of them died in prison. It's a funny lifestyle where you want to get into it, where you're going to get you're going to get a lot of power, but you'll end up dead all in prison. Because mm. most of them do, or ratting someone out and being on your own. I think that this, the scene, because I, I remember it was on TV not, a couple of weeks ago, and Natalie had never seen it. And did she like it? To, she really did, yeah. <laughs> but I turned around and said, she goes, what's your favourite scene? Well, there's, there's two. There's the, the, long, the, the long shot. Which is actually uh, yeah, well shots. that's because his tricks yeah. are great. But that's that's probably, <laughs> that's probably, that's probably the, films. That's cutting the table going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the scene I love is when that that punk kid uh, abuses his girlfriend, oh, yeah, and he, he just said uh, he walks oh. over, pulls over, and I just remember because I'm gonna have a word. Just gonna have a word, <laughs> and, he walks, and he pulls the butt of his gun out, yeah, and he breaks yeah. his right. nose, yeah. and he just uh, yeah. and he goes and he gives, gives it to her, and he goes uh, get rid of that, and he goes and she and I love the way it pauses, and he cuts to her dialogue saying. I knew I should have got rid of it then, but there was something about yeah, exactly. it. Exactly, and it's true mm. because you look at that and you think that's what you yeah. kind of hope you would be like. Look, you know, looking yeah, after going. And, and, and you've got to talk about it as well in this film. But it's the soundtrack. Oh, you know, no one does a jukebox soundtrack better than Martin Scorsese. Ooh. No, wow, well, no, we're going to go into someone later on. But uh, you know, people, a lot of people look the modern, you know, like Hans Zimmer and all that. Don't yeah, like yeah. The, the idea of a jukebox, but. 
Scorsese was like, well, I didn't grow up with classical music. I, I grew up with what was on the radio. Yeah, yeah. I looked out the window and I saw mob guys fighting and there was like a, a 50s pop record on. So this is what I want it to be. I think you're right. I think uh, this is this is probably, this has got to be in, the, in anybody's top ten. I think it's clearly in your top one. not into yeah. films. Well, you know, you, you've have heard... We done it? You've have heard we the, done good You've heard The Menacing Man. I think, I think yeah, you guys could go... You guys could do a solid two hours. Yeah, just I don't. Think, I think that's the reason. Yeah, why yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, I think we haven't done it. Have we? I think that's the reason why. We just get we done it. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to do a little manoeuvre now, where we go from um, one of these films that is uh, regarded as culturally, historically, <laughs> and aesthetically <laughs> significant. <laughs> Meds is laughing because he knows what it is. Transformers: <laughs> The yeah. Movie. 1986 Japanese American animated science fiction action adventure film. There's a lot yeah. of adjectives there. Based on the animated television series mm. and toy range created yeah. by Hasbro. Co produced and developed, directed by Nelson Shin. Yes, Transformers the movie. I've looked at this film, Meds, and I am <laughs> deeply impressed by a lot of things. Um, right. The. The, the fact it has a great cast yeah. the fact it has a great storyline <laughs> the fact that it were it had one of the finest actors in the world in it but also the fact it's a cartoon yeah it's yeah. kid stuff isn't it yes I was so, a kid when I saw it so um, it's Orson Welles last film yes <laughs> it's got Orson Welles in it which can is, you believe that which you is can't. everybody's pub quiz yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orson Welles it's also got Eric Idle in it yeah, yeah. it does yes so, and John Nelson and Leonard Nimoy Okay, there's, there's, there's two reasons why this film is incredibly important. One, I was a huge fan of it on TV. Uh, when I first started school, the, the first day I met Cal, uh, I had for my birthday present Optimus Prime, which I oh, sadly don't have. which is everybody's particular desire. And my birthday is the 4th of September, which is the day we started school. Always fun. Yeah. When this film came out, this was the first film I saw at the cinema with Cal. Yeah. This is the first film, and we saw it at the Warwick Cinema in Acock Screen. Yeah. And um, we came. Is that out. still there? No. It, well, the building's still there. It's now a laser. Laser Quest, though. Yeah, the bowling alley's still there next to it. <laughs> um, but I remember us going to see. I sat there and I cried you a little cried? bit because um, <laughs> Optimus Prime dies in the film uh-huh. and gets turned into. I think it's. Uh, Gal- no, I was the ones after it, weren't yeah. it? Ultra yeah. Magnus. Yeah. It turns into. Um, <laughs> I do own it on DVD. Uh, of course you do. Uh, yeah. but, this is, um, but this is formative stuff. When was yeah. the last time you watched it? <laughs> I think about 20 years ago. Is this the right kind of film that you would pop your daughter down? Absolutely. Uh, no, it's a, it is actually a, it is a wonderful film. And the, the animation in it, I think, is fantastic. Uh, because it still keeps the, the honesty of the cartoon TV series, mm-hmm. which was really, really good. And the toys were near enough dead on to the, the actual cartoon. Which was Apart from Megatron. Right. Megatron was hard to do because it was a handgun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, also, uh, you know, Sandwave, <laughs> which was like, you know, Optimus Prime, you can imagine, because he's a big lobby and turns up and then he's a bit, yeah, you got a handgun. How does that happen? How does that work? But of course, when you're a kid, you don't think about stuff like that. And, uh, and, um, but it is a really good, it's a really good story. It's actually really quite moving as well. But I remember us running out of the cinema and doing the <laughs> noises and we running down to get the number eleven bus back home. Yeah, and it, that stayed, stayed in my memory. And that's the reason why I chose it because, it, as, as what, what Kelter said, that our friendship was bonded through films. 
and you know it's the one film that stands out is the fact that I'm, we've been to cinema many times together but this was the very first film we both saw together. And we're quite, you know, like I said, it was a time when you were quite young and going on your own. Who's You know, 12, you know. 12, 13 just, years old when, mm. when this came out. And, and uh, we've got really teary in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's embarrassing. Because yeah. you, don't, you don't get that uh, opportunity very often. To, I mean, you, you had a show which you were watching, um, you know, coming from school and watching, yeah, yeah. watching mm. over tea time. Yeah. You know, watch your kind of TV show over tea time and then suddenly you find it on the big screen. Yeah. Suddenly somebody's carried it through. It's quite common now, but then it yeah, just then. wasn't, was it? And I was obsessed with it because I think it was that and that and Superman, where which was, I was really obsessed with buying comics of Superman, but with Transformers, I had to have the toys and they were really expensive as, as they started. I think I remember they were, yeah. And, yeah. and Jetfire, which I remember having for Christmas must have cost me mum and dad and I'm really upset because I, don't, I, I knew I hadn't thrown them away and I knew I kept the boxes and we have no idea where they are and it's, well, it's I might have transformed into something else it's a good film deceptive so. bunch this lot and I bought it I bought it on DVD purely for the fact that it was because a lot of the films I own at home and there's 700 of them yeah. <laughs> Uh, are not necessarily films I would just go and pick out, but they are in, in, important for me, and they have something that the yeah. reason why. And, and Transformers movie is, is one of them. And this is one of those films that just takes you to a happy place. It really is, yeah. I thought I really want to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you should <laughs> sit your daughter yeah. down in front of it. Yeah, although, yeah although you, she... there is always that. Yeah, the trouble is you're then going to be faced with a massive toy bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's what's fantastic about what having kids is the fact that my daughter likes Lego and I adore Lego. So I buy Lego. Are you sure you want something? I think you should have Lego yeah, for yeah. brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she actually does watch Transformers, but the new Transformers she's on, which is, the animation is nowhere near as, as good. And they're more you know. films. And, 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 oh, and, and no, I mean, the new films. Yeah, let's, let's just make sure the listeners know that this is the 86 film, yes, not the Michael Bay films, which yeah. are abysmal. <laughs> Uh, quick honourable mention, um, you said it was Orson Welles' last film. It was also Scatman Crothers' last film. Oh, wow. With Shining. a lovely link to The Shining, which, yeah. is, uh, which, is, which is one I'm surprised that neither of you went for, actually. But we'll talk more yeah. later. We'll, was we'll, it we'll, Nimoy in this film? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. We'll, we'll talk later. Now, I'm giving you a, your 10-minute warning, gents, because I, I'm going to want you to come up with a few that missed the mark. So oh, yeah, the, yeah. the ones which you thought about Oof, putting in. Okay. But before that, hmm. um, so clearly going from, you know, from Transformers movie to... <laughs> <sighs> jukebox soundtrack, one of the greatest directors and storytellers of all time. Yeah, I think Kel's hitting the mark in now, you know... Kel's been asked for all his Desert Island films, but it just so happens he's picked some of the greatest films in the world. <laughs> yeah, yes. um, so he's an aesthete and a quality freak. Of course, Pulp Fiction, 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, Kel, I, I did a walking tour of Birmingham uh, last Saturday, and I, I went to see um, Old Pubs. Okay. And I found that a pub in which I used to drink before going to the cinema... Uh, cinema where I saw Pulp Fiction um, was the Newton Cucumber. Alright. And the funny thing about the Newton Cucumber is that if you now look for where the Newton Cucumber should be now, there's actually a space. Mm. There's actually a, a hole in the bit in the new building, in the new Grand Central building. Alright. But, but it's brought back lots of interesting memories for me because Pulp Fiction is one of those films which I went into this incredibly scary pub in the middle of Birmingham, yeah. but nobody didn't want to go into a, a cellar bar in Birmingham. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, did you see this? Is you had to have seen this at the cinema? I did. Uh, again, this was 
Uh, and this, I, this could be linked to my to Meds that uh, I remember he was always. So it's weird when we were, when I was really young, I was more obsessive about films, and I got out of it a bit. He'd become really, really obsessive in his <laughs> early twenties. And I remember he, I got home from work, and he went at work one day. He said, "I've got this film. It's uh, Reservoir Dogs." And I thought, I don't know that. And because he was into, he used to read Empire and everything. I used to come out and read his Empires. And he put it on. I thought, man, this is good. He was a copy version. Yeah. It, it didn't blow me away. But I thought, oh, I like this. And then Mids again said, uh, a couple of years later, his new film's coming out. You've got to come and see it. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I like Reservoir Dogs. But is it going to be anywhere near Martin Scorsese? Because that was always my yardstick. And it still is. Is it as good? And I remember going in that cinema... And everyone spoke unlike anyone I'd ever heard before. I thought, these speak like people. They're constantly <laughs> quoting things and doing adverts in the dialogue. And it had the music coming in. It was super violent. It was super stylish. It had what I wanted. It's like, I like cool films, but I like proper films as well. It had it all. It had bloody long shots in it, deep focus. It had all that kind of stuff in it. But it also had the coolest characters and the best music. <laughs> and I remember coming out thinking, he's as good as Martin Scorsese. It didn't turn out that way in the end because of it's many films of plots, but I still mm. love him. But to me, he's the greatest director in the last 20 years just because he brought something new to cinema. I know people go, well, he didn't. He was copying stuff. He was a copyist. But no one had ever put that in the mainstream. There was loads of cult movies around and growing out cinema, but no one had put it on the blue screen. Yeah, no one had made it successful. Yeah. No, who, who did a 10-minute scene about hamburgers? Yeah. Yeah, I'd never exactly. saw that or, before. Or, or like Pe- a virgin. Uh, people take it for gra- the tip scene. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. You know, people... Had, well, there's a dogs in it. Yeah. People mm. had never took these things... People have never put them on in script. I know people go, they have. No, they haven't, mm. because that's why his films blew people away. Hmm. There's a there's a lot of, um, as you say, it's an epic piece of work, and it, you know, the, the the way in which it's edited together is really bloody clever as well. Cause oh. you, still, cause still. Because you're, you're still putting it together as you're leaving the cinema. And yeah, and going, like always, going back for the pub. And when you and, watch it again, yeah. there's always little bits that you miss. You think, oh, I didn't realise that bit added up to that bit. Even after... So, because me and Simon went, and our friend Kev, yeah. and he hated it, didn't he? Yes. To go, what, what's funny about someone being shot in the head? Oh, in the back of the car. Yeah, in the back of the thing with the wolf. And it's like, it's oh, funny, isn't it? Yeah. That, is, that is very funny. That is a brilliant <laughs> scene because he gets shot for no reason. Then he's gonna because off by mistake yeah. when he's having an argument. And he's survived the and, whole of that yeah, scene beforehand. In the, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, one, I, I, saw it, I saw it myself uh, New Year's Eve, the most, most recent one, just... Mm. just Stayed in New Year's Eve, yeah. had a very good bottle of wine and watched Pulp Fiction because it was on. Yeah, um, and and one of the things I couldn't stop doing uh, for for the next three months was drinking coffee like Harvey Keitel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know where where he's, you know, he's like just 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 drinks the coffee goes mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nods approvingly. It's like, oh. That's like but yeah, uh, Winston Wolf the the. the the restraint it must have taken not to do a Winston Wolf film. Well, uh, well, they're doing them on the radio with the uh, the. Well, no, they have, but, do you know, uh, you know, he said, well, he's, <laughs> he had some great ideas for films, spins yeah. off this. He had the Vega Brothers, Vega Brothers what he wanted well. to do, but they're just too old, and he didn't. He said, you can't cast anyone else as the Vega Brothers now. You can't because yep. it's John Travolta. He it, it just is John Travolta, and people forget as well. There was a washed up actor, John Travolta, at the time. Yep. People never thought he was cool, and he was just the coolest man on the planet. But it was all because of his script. 
you know, I st- you know, I even I love all his films. I think one thing you get back is great dialogue. Sometimes what? he can be suffer from a bit of hubris and mm. he gets carried away, but he still writes great dialogue. Well, I bought I bought the scripts of yeah, of, uh, yeah. of Reservoir and Pulp Fiction, and also True Romance, of course, which was Tarantino's first thing that he wrote. And you can sit and read those books and they're the scripts, and you get it's amazing because normally script books are like you know oh yeah you get that scene, but they are actually really good. Just well, they pop out the, the screen, they pop out the page, and, they, and yeah. the thing as well as well with this as well. This is when I was first moved out with Meds. And we're first living together. Hmm. So these films are so important that, like, you know, my God, there's a new Quentin Santini film coming out. And it's like you'd be back home talking about it. And, you know, there weren't the internet then. So you had to keep it going by yourself yeah. by and actually you, being interested and, and in you, just yeah, looking it up. Like, yeah, and yeah. you're getting your you know like, empire of Yeah, getting empire. There's a new bit about Quentin, a new bit about Puffy. Maybe yeah. when it come out on video, maybe when it come out on DVD, everyone was like, oh, get back, I've got to watch that, I've got to watch the. Got extra scenes, got to do the director's commentary. Mm. And it, like I said, it, it, I don't know, because I watched it with my wife at New Eve, and she mm. never saw it, didn't like it. She's going, it's ridiculous, <laughs> it's pulp fiction. That's the whole point. Says it, exactly says it what it is. It's, it's funny because we, we were saying the other day, babe, weren't we? And, I, and we both turned around and said, well, what's our favourite scenes in it? And I turned around and said, there's one that the whole thing uh, it goes, Who, whose motorbike is that? And he goes, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Who said? There's dead, baby. Yeah. There's dead. <laughs> well, it's, and it's just a Christopher Walken bit, isn't it? Who can do a cameo? Oh. Like about a watch being up, watch his, ass. up his ass. And the it's way he the, delivers that But so it well. makes sense why Butch needs yeah. that watch. Needs and that that's watch why people go, yeah. it's an ex- stupid scene. No, it's not Four a stupid years, scene. Four years I had that watch in my hand. <laughs> Beautiful. It is now, a great now, film, isn't it? Now, there's, yeah. th- there's, a, there's an interesting plot device in there. Um, oh. And what's in the case? What's in the case? In the case. Um, there's, a, there's a number of theories out there. Well, he got it from a, a film noir in the 50s, didn't he? Yeah. There's a film noir about someone with a nuclear bomb in a, in a suitcase that gets stolen. You yeah. never see it. This is where he got the idea from. But what's your theory? What do you think's in there? Um, oh, God. I, the, the, I like Quentin Tarantino's answer that it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's 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 a theory that it's a throwback to Val Kilmer's Elvis suit in True Romance. Ooh, that's Ooh, an interesting one. Which is the shiny gold suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the persistent theory is it's Marcellus Wallace's soul. Oh, I've, that's, that's the one I see. That's soul. the one that I go. Yeah, for it's it. interesting yeah. that is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, which which some people say explains the plaster on the back of his neck. Mm. Ah, right. Which apparently is not because he cut himself shaving his head before the film was such, but. That's one of those ones which you can run and run on, actually. It's yeah. br- brilliant, but just a little thing. Um, you mentioned a, a not a peculiar piece of film merchandise earlier on. Oh, your, yes. Your, your Run DMC uh, <laughs> pincushion. <laughs> when this film was released on video in the UK, yeah. some video stores gave away a book of Pulp Fiction matches. What? Oh, right. You've got him. Yep. Oh, what? Um, and I, I went on eBay and How went much? Pulp Fiction matches, 250 quid. Fucking right, isn't it? Right. Well, somebody's selling them for 250 oh, quid. Right. I don't know if they've been bought for 250 quid. That's a brilliant. Quid. They wouldn't give that away anymore, would they? No, well, no, <laughs> no, not in a video shop. No, you'd have to find a video shop first. You say, you say that, though, but the video edition of Trainspotting, which I had, the limited edition one, comes with, it's a double video case, and you open it up, and on the inside you've got a Zippo. 
Rizzlers. A, so glasses, Rizzlers and a oh, pair of yeah. round glasses. Yeah, but that sort of makes sense because it's sort of playing on the druggy culture. Again, that, though, but it's still... Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not supplying Although, flannable. Although yeah. this, was, this was video rentals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. yeah, I mean, that's... This, not, was, you know. th- this wasn't a free gift with the tape. That's amazing. This was... Yeah, but I thought... I, I, was, I was doing my research and I thought... Hang on a minute, I've got one, I've got that in the drawer. If you're very good, I'll show you later. Ah. Kel, thank you for Pulp Fiction. Um, Meds, your final film. Mm. Um, and uh, I've got to thank you for this, because this is, this is one of these films which uh, mm. I genuinely never heard of. Oh, and okay. based at, even based on doing my research, uh, it's, it's something which I'm really, really interested in seeing. Mm. Um, knowing you as I do, we have a cat on the desk, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Hello, Horatio, my cat is on the desk. Yeah. He, he's, he's down again. But if he starts meowing, that's that's the explanation for that. Um, Meds's film is The Dish. It's a an Australian film uh, directed by a, a gentleman called Rob Sitch, mm. um, from the year two thousand, um, starring Sam Neill. Yeah. Um, take it away, Meds. Well, I saw it. Never heard of it. I saw it at the cinema. Really? Uh, yeah, and it was a limited run. I think I saw. I might have seen it at the uh, electric. I'm not was too that sure. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, where because was it now? I'd started to get into. Oh, it might be the Odeon. Was it the Odeon? I started to get into Australian comedy and Australian uh, humour back when I was really young. Uh, in fact, I, I talked about this on a, a waffle on about John Clark, mm-hmm. um, and got obsessed with. Like Python, Australian humour is very silly, but very subtle and very normal. So hmm. something will happen, but it's not done for laughs. It's done as if normal things will, will happen. And I'd kind of started following Australian comedy and I wanted to get more into it. And I've always been a big fan of Sam Neill as well, hmm. who ironically owns, owns the production company with John. And this had come out. And I'd read reviews about Australian. It was one of those lists. Australian films you should go and see. Because this was the top grossing film in Australia that year. Yeah. Um, and yet still I've never heard of it. <laughs> heard of it. But also the, the, the actual story of the film. I was fascinated by the story of the film. The fact that this small little little place in the outskirts in Australia was, was part responsible for broadcasting the moonwalk. And it was mm, so incredibly mm. important that they got it right. Yet they are literally uh, passionate about what they do, but that's Tin Box Company, this, this little <laughs> place. And, but what, what made the film, and nobody else would probably find this funny, there's a little scene in it where there's a security guard. You know, he's, he's a security guard in the middle of the bush with this like, massive satellite. There's no one about. And he's coming out and he's got it. And all you hear is, uh, Halt! He goes, here. <laughs> <laughs> Is that you, Bob? But that's exactly why yeah. it's all the way. They're all slightly a bit thick than some of the people that are working there. Yet you've got Samuel, who's, who's got a bit of a tragic storyline in it as well. And you've got the American NASA guy who's come over to make sure it all runs out. And he's a little bit against the more. He gets a bit frustrated by, of course, that a bit laid back. And uh, yeah. be all right, mate. You know, you go, we bet. But then slowly throughout the whole film, because it's so important and things don't go to plan, and Canberra suddenly fails, and they've got a dad, they've the ones who've got to get it right. And this NASA guy suddenly realises that it is so important to be with them as part of a team. And, it, and it's just such a beautiful, beautiful film. It's, it's small, it's low budget, it's very quiet. It's not a really long film. But it's just gloriously nice. It's very quirky. It is very quirky. But it's, again, it has such brilliant... It's what the Australians do so well with humour. Where there's this little thing... It's where me and Cal 
Uh, another film that we really both got into, which I'm not going to go into because it's going to be my film for later on that you asked, with Peter Jackson. And again, the humour of New Zealand humour yeah. uh, and, and these kind of little subtle things are going back and then get a big thing that comes up to you, you know, and, and shocks you in the season. <laughs> um, the, it's like, the, like Chopper was exactly like that. I think Chopper came out very rough, roughly around about the same time. That's a very, you know, it's a film that isn't really true to who Chopper Reed yeah. was. In fact, it made him more the thing. Well, it was really a bit of that where he was an asshole. But the humour in that, is it? Is it again? Oh, it shouldn't, you shouldn't laugh at it, but it's like uh, you know when he, it's he so stabbed, dry. It's so dry. Uh, that dry humor. That dry he stabbed, humor. When he stabs someone really? and he goes, oh, oh bloody, I'm gonna have to take you to the hospital." You know, hospital. You know, thanks for driving that, and yeah, off yeah. you go. Yeah, the dry humor of it works so well. I think that there was a, there was a point. Um, we can pretty much name the point at which every became aware of antipodean humor, and it was mm. one man, Paul Hogan, who. Who kind of br- brought that with Crocodile Dundee, which is where everybody suddenly became aware of Australia. Yeah, as a producer of films. I think almost like as a, I mean, I, I, got, I was really got into Australian humour from Damn Edna Everidge, Barry Humphreys. Uh, okay. yeah, because yeah. Humphreys had worked with, with Cleese on Secret Policeman's Ball, and I was a huge fan of Secret Policeman's Ball. And then I really got into Barry Humphreys, and of course, especially Clive James. Yes. So of course, as soon as Clive James came on the scene, mm. I adored everything about that. And yeah. then of course, Wild World of Sports and John Clark as Fred Dagg. Though I didn't know that was John Clark, I just thought he was actually <laughs> Fred Dagg. And it wasn't until you introduced me to the games where I suddenly realised who that came from. And mm. and soon as you start delving into these things, and even now there's more and more comedy coming out of Australia. What was that one car that was to do with the the waste disposal guys? Oh, that's brilliant about the toilet. About the toilet. That's, oh, that's so, great... so, so good. And it was, and, oh. and no one knows about that's these great... It's also really sad. <laughs> yeah, again, though, because it's, a, it's like the whole thing I about the I do like a bit though. of sweet, though. I, I... Yeah. I think the Aussies and that do that kind of thing really, really well. Yeah, they really do. Especially because they set everything up with that kind of pragmatism. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and then, to, yeah, they'll, they'll pull, pull you back with uh, with the, the emotion. Um I'm definitely going to watch I think the dish. I'm I'm gonna, it's I'm got spicy stuff as well. It's great. That's yeah. I wish you'd said because I, I love, would have bought it. I love spicy stuff. Yeah. Oh, that'd, be, that'd be good. That'd be very mm. good. Gentlemen, that concludes your list. Hey. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> I hope that everybody has uh, learned something from that. And I think that there'll be um, a bit of a spike. Do you still have your uh, your Amazon beneficiary we do. link? We still have our If anybody Amazon wishes to, uh, yeah. anybody wishes to, to purchase <laughs> any of the films mentioned in this podcast, please do use the link on the mm. on the Waffle On site so that uh, the boys get a little kickback yeah, from yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna let you go with a little bit of a of a ramble, a pair of you, as to which films. Well, let's say five or six films that didn't quite make it onto your lists. Well, I can stay straight away. I, you know, I umdenard about this was Star Wars. Oh, really? Nah, That's yeah. unusual. I didn't think you. I thought you would have gone for a Trek one. Frankly, let's start with it. Right, okay. now, <laughs> you know, Star Wars was massive in my life growing up. Massive. Like everyone did, it weren't special to be Star Wars, but I, I think with every film we get in it's watering down that feeling I yeah. had mm. and it's now like it's a fairground ride I didn't like Disney having it because they turned it into let's bring a film out every six months what made Star Wars special for me I saw it once I didn't see it again for eight years so and did you see it in the cinema saw it in the cinema I don't, you know I was really young my mum took me I don't really remember the story I just remember things flying around and robots and I thought it was a bear obviously I didn't know 
That's sort of a bear. It's, it's sort of a bear, isn't it? <laughs> then I saw it again about eight years later on a video, and I bloody loved it. I was into it, and I like Empire Strikes Back's great, and I loved some Jedi, brilliant. And then the new one, then them old ones, new ones, old ones came out. Phantom Menace, and I sat in that cinema. I mean, in more like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a similar experience. I was sat in in the cinema watching the Phantom Menace, and there was a guy in the you know, <laughs> you know sometimes the front sixteen rows of these big multiplexes are just completely empty, and there's one guy who sat himself dead centre, like three rows back, and the rest of us are on the, yeah, yeah, the stacked yeah. seats, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, where you can mm. get a proper view. Yeah. But the most hilarious thing about that film was this guy had sat himself. Dead centre, three three seats back. Who was just going? Ha ha ha, ha ha ha! The dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was just laughing at the screen what? while the two principal characters are talking to each other. This is rubbish. Uh, it was like you knew it was going to be bad when you first saw Star Wars. At the scroll, it was really interesting. Mm. When it got to be about tax rates. You knew something was wrong. Basically, this was mm. George Lucas saying, I need money. <laughs> the government are after me for my money. Yeah. I need my money back. And this is the government. He's like the fucking empire. Yeah. And I knew there was a problem then. And it got gradually got worse. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah, he's got it out of him now. Yeah. He's out of him. Atta- and then the he's your two. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like I said, if you had them free for we did this. If you had them free for again, you probably could get one good hour and a half yeah, movie. You could cut all the shit out of it. Avengers yeah. the Sith is not that bad. No, actually. it's just the ending. No. No. <laughs> no, when that's all you can think of we, doing. When everyone laughs in the yeah. cinema. That, oh, and it's like yeah, a video yeah. game at the end where he's jumping on the thing so we can make a video game yeah, out yeah, of yeah. it. <sighs> And it's like even the new ones, they're good, but I've some of that feeling, that lustre has gone now because there's too much of too it, many of too many games and cartoons. And, and you say oversaturation. Uh, you know, we know a bloke who's obsessed with it and you can't say anything bad against it and he's going, I still love being in that world. But this is why these people play on, don't they? Mm. They want you to give you the money, even though I don't care, I just want to be in that world again. I've never been a fanboy like that. If I don't mm. like a franchise, I will say it shit. George Romero's last two films were terrible. And I love George Romero. He's not God to me. But his last two films were crap. <laughs> I ain't going to say, yeah, but it's George, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's why people Star Wars. It's great. It's got Boba Fett in it. Yeah, but it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Star Wars, yeah. Tainted and smeared by, it's still its, by, its, own, by its own reputation. Mm. Yeah. Didn't make it. Meds? Uh, how many have we got? I mean, well, I mean, you can you can give honourable mentions yeah. to to a good okay. few. Um, I would say uh, this <laughs> stuff you wrestled with but didn't put in your final six. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, first one then. Um, yeah, this is actually really quite unusual. It's scum. Uh, um, uh, uh, <laughs> and, I, um, and the reason is is because I, I was fascinated with banned um, films and banned TV uh, and having a double video recorder. Rather profitable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the <laughs> yeah, the uh, the the torture video that was released at Woolworths. Uh, uh, yeah, that was that was quite a sold quite a bit. Horrendous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Scum was one of those films where um, I'd got into Quadrophenia uh, and realised I really quite liked Phil Daniels' acting, and so picked up a couple of videos called uh, one was called Meantime. Yeah. Uh, and the other one I can't remember what the other one was called but they they had young Tim Roth in it and then I heard about Ray Winstone and I, I read about Scum and I was fascinated about the band BBC version 
I had seen the the, the feature film version, which had been on TV. Was it Alan Parker? It was, wasn't it? And But I was desperate to try and see why the BBC version was banned. And I managed it. They, uh, it was... Uh, Alex Cox's yeah, program oh, that on was BBC Two. That was, wasn't it? Yeah, oh. that showed it. They they did a band season mm. and they showed the band BBC version. Of course, there's, there's stuff you watch and think it's exactly the same as the film. Yeah. You know, there's a few differences. Like there's a different uh, a cart of in there. Uh, there's a yeah, you know different vegetarian that. guy. But there's something about that film where it's what one of Avinston's first first acting roles. He's so believable as Carling, and you do look at it and you think. The realism of it, you you know, it put you off doing any kind of crime. It's horrific. There's severe racism in there, oh. which is realistic racism, uh, not yeah. not cartoon uh, style racism. Guards. That's yeah. what's good about it in this. Yeah. And it's a film where everyone used to quote it at school. Yeah. yeah. And that's how this one, everyone did it. Where's your tool? Where's what your, fucking what tool? tool? And I, I, also <laughs> yeah, rem- I also remember and, and, uh, and, and saying one of the racist lines in it, to Abu Ahmed, who's our mate, Ahmed, and he because he he was again one of our mates, and we all used to watch films as well. He bowled it off me, and I turned around and said, "Put some sort on it, you black bastard." Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he got and uh, Ahmed was going because he knew he was from the yeah, film, yeah. and everyone was doing it. Was like, doing it. You know, but also, this horrific in that the rape scene, which one of the boys suicide, gets raped. It's got horrible it's got suicide, 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 horrible in suicide it. thing in it. It's got the beating of the the the, um, the snooker balls in the sock, uh, where yeah. Carling hits Phil Daniels over the head in it. You know, who's the daddy now? Oh, I'm the fucking And then we found daddy. out that he got a job from his walk. Yeah, he got a job from got his walk. Got that job. Yeah. He his, went for a job interview, went for the interview, didn't get it because he think he was very good. He walked out the thing like a right cocky bastard. Went, there he is. Yeah. There's our Carling. Just from uh, his walk. Uh, <laughs> so that one didn't quite make the cut. No, he didn't. I, I say it's. Um, what else would you throw an honourable mention in for? What else did you wrestle with? <laughs> I mean, um, if I was going to go down the, the the proper desert island discs route, where you get, uh, mm. you know, you, you get uh, you get a book or you get the complete works of Shakespeare to yeah. uh, to, to tide yourself over. Well, Kel gets the full George Romero. Yeah, and I get that. Um, oh. You would probably get the full Bond set, probably. Absolutely. Um, I'd have all know, the John Wyndham novels if, as well. If I'm going to give, I was going to start giving stuff out for your Dad the Chiffy's my all time favourite book. Yeah. Very good, <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah. Well, I realise I've got two, so two of us. So the one is um, with Nan and I. Mm-hmm. I, Which really, I can't believe he's not. Because I really did struggle with this one. He did drunk himself to death <laughs> when that when we first got into that. Because again, this is a film. You got into late, didn't you? Much later, I, t- yeah. I was yeah. reading into this film when I was younger, mm. and he, some reason, never watched it, and I thought there's a film made for him. And it was. <laughs> Which is ironic, because I was a really big, uh, well, I always said. have been, uh, yeah, uh, Richard E. Grant fan, because um, I, I, I loved how to get ahead in advertising. And I, I'm one of the few people who actually do like Hudson Hall. Hudson Hall, Because it is so bad, you know. And it's also, it's even more enjoyable when you read with nails, uh, 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 Richard E. Grant's diaries, uh, how, how terrible that film was. With Nail and I is, is one of my all-time favourite films. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like I said earlier on, I, I created my list of 
mainly things from when I was younger. I probably would have put with Nally because it's the film me and you always watch every year. At Christmas, me and you always um, uh, watch it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised because, again, it's a quotable film. It's one that has a lot of memories attached to it, albeit more recent ones. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's it is. a given. And I think the reason why I didn't ultimately pick it was because I came to with Nally and I quite late. I, I came to it uh, on its anniversary. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I said, no. I, you know, if you yeah. love it, if you only watched it last week, it can be the best film you've ever saw last week, or it can be you've yeah. saw 30 I years ago. I did actually ago. watch it last week. <laughs> yeah, like I said, you even tried the drinking game with a girlfriend. Yeah, I did. I, I, up I, in a massive I, round, I, didn't it? No, she fell asleep. <laughs> and uh, I carried on. I, I was fine. It's and, supposed and, to be deadly like that game, no, isn't it? Have you not, done it? It's please? actually not that no, hard never to had, do. never had the guts. It's not that hard to do because, the, 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 well, there's two different versions of the game. There's the one where you have to drink everything they order. Mm. Or there's drinking what they drink in the film. Now, they don't drink a lot. In the film, when you watch the film, oh, well, you drink along with them. You drink along with them. Right, so really, really just drinks a pint. Oh, they've only got half a pint, so you drink half a pint. And oh, if you do it that right. way, you can do it. Obviously, the rule of going when it comes to the lighter fluid, you don't drink lighter fluid. Yeah. You drink something else, like a, a, spirit, normally a spirit that you don't like. Yeah, so oh, you right. get the reaction oh, from oh, it. Oh, oh. Um, but again, it's quotable. Um, it's Bruce Robinson. What I, I do love about that film, a little bit like the reason why I like Clerks to a certain degree, is Bruce Robinson was very honest when he made that film that he had no fucking clue of what to do and he was honest with the crew he said to the crew on the first day of filming guys I wrote this this is my first directorial job they knew him from acting because he'd been an actor before and because of his honesty to the crew they, they worked out a little bit harder and they supported him and including the actors and including everyone and again like a lot of the films we've chosen it wasn't really a, a great success at the time but got more notoriety as it's gone on the reason why I didn't put it in my list is because I'm not a great fan of what's happened to With Now and I Now. You know, yeah, it's become sort of, I think, it's got involved in all the culture. But what I never liked, and to me, it's a supremely sad film. I found it really mm. sad and upsetting, but people just see it as, oh, that's load of booze yeah, and the Monty is. stuff. No, they're really, really, especially with now, he's pathetic, with isn't he? Mm. He's a pathetic mm. character. Well, he, and horrible, really. He's not nice. He's, he's not a nice guy, but he's an alcoholic. And, yeah. he's, and that's the important. And also, Monty's a very lonely man. And the last scene as well, where he, where um, Marwood uh, turns down having the drink to say chin chin, mm. he's actually really sad because he's leaving that life behind. And, and carry and moving forward but what I, I'm not a great fan of like I think fandom on yeah. any scale is terrible to a certain degree there's appreciation and there's yeah. going over the top it's like me and you refused to go Pete me and you didn't go to the with now life screening at, uh, I mean don't get me wrong the electric the anniversary was on and Richard E. Grant was there I mean that's slightly different that must have been lovely to have seen but then the fact that they opened up the cinema above and satellite screened what was going on downstairs. To me, would have just been incredibly frustrating. I couldn't handle that. <laughs> but I don't like anything. And it is a bit of a personal thing. I admit that. Where you get people dressed up with the lung coat on. And yeah. doing all this. And chin chin and all that. It's not the Rocky Horror Show. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? The Rocky Horror Show is a musical. And it's, it was a play to start off with. And yet, it, that's what the fun's all about. With Nile isn't. It's the equivalent of also people drinking along to leaving Las Vegas. Uh, we this know people who do that, don't we? And this isn't the missing the fucking missing point. point. You know, I oh, mean, yeah, great don't get film me wrong. Well. Yeah, yeah, great film. Don't get me wrong. I do like pro drink though, is it? No, I do like to have a drink when I'm watching with now and I. I do, I do like that. I like a nice glass of red wine, but I certainly don't get that inside of it. Ice cider cider. That's the first time I ever knew about ice cider cider. But again, it's a perfect film. But again, the reason why I didn't put it in was because because of everything else. Everything that's happened to it since. Yeah. Very good. Gentlemen, 
Thank you so much for bringing in those films, sharing a lot of memories, especially of warm VHS fuzz and pirated videos and video nasties (laughs) and everything. It speaks to the age of everybody in this room. Have we got got a peak one to keep if it gets washed away? Um, I think, yeah, I I think we would go with that. Yes, if if, if, if all of your films caught fire... Which they could have done. Um, which they could have done because our flat did catch fire. <laughs> yeah. Out, out, out of yours, Kel, which one would you would you save from the flames? Well, it's good fellas, isn't it? There we go. <laughs> yeah, and I think you've argued your point most convincingly. Meds, what would be yours? Life of Brian. Life of Brian, yeah. Yeah, and I think, yes, those, those are both absolutely standout movies. Mm-hmm. And again, something that retains comfort when you're stranded on that desert island yeah. with, with no company. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me along. Thank you very much, Pete. And uh, yes, please let the debate continue on Facebook and all forms of social media. Um, I'm sure everybody will be really keen to hear everybody's favourite <laughs> memories, and you know, especially of films that you know you may have never seen in the cinema, yeah. or films that you should have seen in the cinema, yeah. and something that you ended up watching in a in a black and white TV in the corner <laughs> of a scout hut. Yeah. Um, great memories, gentlemen. Thank you so much. And now I'll hand over to Meds for any housekeeping he wishes to make. Um, and uh, what's next for uh, what's next for the waffles? Well, we do. We have. No, uh, but let's be honest. Uh, uh, we don't know um, because I don't know when I'm releasing this. Uh, but uh, thank you, Pete, for once again uh, joining us. Uh, it's always nice to have you as our regular yeah. regular guest. Want you to do it again? Yes, yeah, we want you to do a lot more actually. <laughs> and we always have chi- chips today. Perfect British, like uh, <laughs> British mm. thing. But yes, please uh, hang on and listen to uh, our lovely blurb from Jen, who will give you all the information regarding social media and how you get in touch with us. Uh, me and Cal have got a double recording to do very soon. They'll be coming out whenever. And stand by for more information regarding T-shirts, I believe. So we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Cheerio. You've been listening to Waffle On. If you'd like to get in touch or join the mailing list, you can by emailing the guys at waffleonpodcast at gmail.com. You can also have some waffly fun by joining their Facebook page. Simply type in Waffle On Podcast in the search bar and away you go. This has been a Waffle On production, copyright Simon Meddings and Mark C. Kelly.